Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is up, everyone? I am Rob. And I am Eamon. It is spooky Halloween. We hope you're all doing well. Hope you're enjoying spooky season. Hope you've had a good weekend. Um, Eamon, how are you feeling on uh, Halloween day? I'm feeling spooky. I'm yes. feeling I'm feeling tense. I'm feeling tense. anxious. I'm feeling like there's something following me. Uh, but I also <laughs> I also haven't had a coffee yet, so that ah. might that might all be intertwined. That could be it indeed. So guys, you may have noticed from the episode title that we have collabed with Tim from Strange Familiars to present to you a spooky Halloween-themed episode here. Um, it was a great chat, Emin, right? Mm, yeah, really, really fun chat. Really, really fun chat. I mean, like every time you talk to Tim, it's it's a really fun time, you know? Absolutely. This one's a two-hour beast. Mm, yeah. Yeah, big beast. And uh, we talk, we cover everything, right? Mm, we Oh man, yeah, it goes in and out. It, it's a... I mean, it's it certainly is that strange familiar's ex monster fuzz. It's the digression of us, with the, the concentration on actual research and folklore from Tim. So it's it's a, there's a nice there's a nice uh, a nice a nice flow to it. Absolutely. So we hope you enjoy it, guys. We hope you stay safe over Halloween. Um, party safe. Party safe. But party hard. But party, party hard. Safe. But party safe. And yeah, just have a good time, you know. We hope you enjoyed our content over the week. We hope you enjoyed Emin's story. We hope you enjoyed the Patreon special if you're a patron. And um, yeah, you know, we try and bring the heat for Halloween. And next year we'll do the same. Uh, If you want to check out Tim, strangefamiliars.com is probably the best place to do it. Otherwise, just check the episode description here and all of his links will be there. 
And yes, likewise for us, if you want to support us, all of that is in the description. If you want to check out our Instagram or anything like that, please do so. Happy Halloween from me, Emma. And happy Halloween from me, Robert. That's it, guys. Enjoy the episode. Over and out. (laughs) Welcome to Monstranger Familiars. (laughs) Yeah, that could be it. Monstranger Familiars. Yeah, that could be it. Fuzzmilliars. Yeah, Fuzzmilliars. Fuzzmilliars. (laughs) So this is kind of the Halloween club then, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so for our listeners and your listeners, I suppose we should explain that we're going to do a few spooky stories to get people in the mood for Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I uh, I, I found a story from, from Ireland. Oh, oh lovely, lovely, lovely. interesting. I'm going to let you read because I'm not pronouncing it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like the pronunciations in Ireland are even difficult for us. Like we, we get our balls busted all the time for... Um, Mm. there's some irish words that we might get wrong at times and people are like screaming at their uh, phones or whatever they're listening on when we pronounce them so uh it's not just you it's us too so <laughs> really? uh, just complete curiosity growing up mm-hmm. like coming up through school how much is irish gaelic part of your education if like, at all oh 100 like we do it every yeah. day oh, really it, yeah every day and we we're just it, I don't know if it's the way it's taught or what, but like it just doesn't stick with us, right, Emma? Yeah, I think I think it's partially that that the way it's taught. The other part is it it doesn't really help you at all in terms of your career, unless you want to be a primary school teacher. It's not really applicable. So for a lot of us, we just sit there for an hour and don't take it in, and then you do that for like, geez, Rob, what is it like? It's it's effectively uh, 14 years. years. Yeah, 13, yeah, 14 13, years. 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, and and like almost daily, uh, and yeah, we we can't speak a fluently now. My girlfriend is fluent. Um, she, she's primary school teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, yeah. and fluent. <laughs> so there you go. So so it's a, the teachers usually are pretty good at it, you know. Mm. Um, but it's Halloween, lads. Are you feeling spooky? Always, always spooky, Tim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's my job. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in spooky mode at all times. We're the same. Yeah, we get we get a lot of these stories and stuff coming in now, and and definitely it's two feet are going into the spooky camp now. We had a great story um, about uh, a guy who he was staying in his uh, in this house, and he was in the, the the bedroom at the top of the house, and it was quite enclosed in, and he used to sleep there, and he had um he'd lie up and look at the ceiling and he'd hear the scratching in the ceiling and stuff like that. Mm. And he noticed like the, the fixture, the fitting was gone and there was a bit of wire sticking out and stuff like that from, from where it would have been at the top of the, the ceiling. And he later found out that uh, the creepy thing about it was he later found out that someone had actually hung themselves up in that bedroom. And he thinks because it was such a small enclosed bedroom that from where they hung themselves would have been where they were scratching at the walls. So I made this totally dark, spooky story, you know? Um, So we're getting all this stuff sent to us now. We were like, we never heard anything like this before. (laughs) Was that the one you were, I I haven't listened to. Yeah. Today's most recent mini Mm fun. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It was in today's. It's a great story. And and yeah, it was uh, really, really spooky. Um, Yeah. I I got to the beginning of it and uh, my wife came home and we had some, you know, business stuff we had to talk about. And I, so I put it on pause and I didn't get back to it before we started recording. It's good. It's good. Definitely give it a listen. It's, it's a good one. But got a question for you guys. 
we're gonna we're gonna ask now. And this is one that came. I'm I, well, I'm curious there about these actually because I don't think I know first ever Halloween costume that you can remember. What did you dress up in? So this is a bit of a synchronicity because I, yeah. I saw the the clips from your <laughs> your recent uh, video. Pod. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spider Man. It was Spider Man. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> so three Spider Man in the room in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. I don't know. They had these costumes that came in a box, right? And I really disliked him as a kid because I, I wanted to look like Spider Man. Yeah. So what these would be would be like a plastic suit you put over your clothes and, oh, a, and, a, right. and a plastic Spider Man mask. But on the suit, instead of having like Spider Man's uniform, it was a picture of Spider Man on the suit. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So as a kid, it was like, oh, no, I want to look like Spider-Man. I don't want to like Spider-Man doesn't have a picture of himself on his chest. But <laughs> those were the costumes back in the day. Did, did you have that stuff there? Like well, you go well, in the drugstore and, and buy a, a costume in a box? Well, Mr. Fancy Pants there with a Spider-Man costume. Uh, well, mine and Evans probably the same, but I, I'll give you mine first. It's, uh, I was dressed in a, a, a black bin liner, like a trash bag. And um, they would get coal dust and rub it under your eyes and on your cheeks to make you look like a zombie. <laughs> so, so God knows what kind of skin problems I have now from having coal dust rubbed <laughs> on my face. But that was common enough. Like, Emma, what about you? Yeah, exactly the same. Like <laughs> the the oldest one I remember is my sister wanted to be Shira, and I was like, okay, I, I guess I'll be He Man. Um, and basically, we both wore bin bags. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my sister just wore Wellingtons with her bin bags. <laughs> that, that was it's like, oh, she's sheer. She got the boots on. That's fine. Go get some get some sweets, kids. Yeah, she was fancy then with the boots. I mean, oh, very fancy. That's, that's my sister's always been fancy. You know, another one is, have you ever gone all out with Halloween and really put in effort? Um, uh, one year, um, my so let me explain. First of all, the Spider-Man. I was number six of six kids. Right. Okay. By the time I oh, came okay. along, my parents didn't have energy to like no. do a homemade <laughs> costume or anything. Yeah. It was like you, you get a costume in a box, kid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in in my college years, I was friends with these uh, super creative people mm. who uh, whose parents didn't really give a damn what they did to the house. Oh, nice. That's okay. always a plus. Yeah. Nice. So they would make their own haunted house Lovely. every year. And I mean, they would go all out. There would be just the whole yard would be turned into this thing. And they kind of make a path for the trick-or-treaters to come through. And they'd, they'd build coffins and stuff to, mm. to put people in and, and pop out and scare the kids. And it was uh, with them. They, they, one year they made me into this sort of, uh, uh, you know, killer in a, in a burlap bag mask kind of thing. But it was really like all out like you know fake blood and and everything it was it was quite the the uh event nice nice mm. emma That's what awesome. did you do um i i think the spider-man one is probably one of the more all adventurous i did mm. yeah yeah uh it's it's definitely adventurous to wear a skin tie suit and <laughs> go around go around dublin city so i've done that um the only other one i did was i probably similar to your burlap bag uh tim i did the scarecrow from like batman begins i so remember I got, like one. a burlap bag yeah. and i cut it out so it was like a real um rustic kind of a bag sort of a thing for a mask and then i just wore a suit with it so i kind of looked like the scarecrow but i i know i know that both of ours 
pale in comparison to what Rob is going to say was his best Halloween outing. Because <laughs> I know I know what your best Halloween outing was, and it, it looked majestic. Yeah, it was. Well, I kind of regret it. As soon as I did it, so like I'm a big Star Wars nerd, and I've seen Darth Maul. I, I used to love him, even though the, the, the prequel trilogy is kind of, yeah, whatever. I enjoyed him, but most people weren't mad on him. But I found, yeah, Darth Maul, I was like, I love that guy. He's like the coolest looking dude i'm gonna try and do that whole costume i think it took me no joke and a friend of mine um is big into halloween too and he dressed up as the clown from american horror story i think mm. and um twisty i think it was and so the two of us both basically did full makeup um bald caps the works like um <laughs> and it was my first time ever putting on a bald cap and doing the face paint and stuff but i think it literally took us three to four hours to get ready um, and then we went out to the nightclub and stuff, but it was cool because like people were taking pictures with us and stuff. So it was a it was a cool buzz, you know. So you got a kind of a kick out of it that I didn't even expect to come, you know. You had that picture up on Instagram yeah, or somewhere, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, yeah that was it was a good job. Good yeah, job. yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it was one of those ones where I probably never will do it again. So I'm like, yeah, I'm sharing that every year. <laughs> every year it comes around. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna share that thing. Um, when nerd yeah. out a bit here. You know where they treated? I thought. Darth Maul mm. very well in the um the Clone Wars cartoon series. I see I, I haven't watched him yet and I've heard great things about him, but it's just one of those things I never sat down and give him a try. But I, I, I'm familiar with what happens to him and stuff, and he gets the legs, the robotic legs and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but they the way those I think it's because they're episodic. Mm. Those stories are just you can toss them out, but some of the, the ones they did in the Clone Wars, I think kind of work better than some of the movies honestly mm. there's some really good stories amongst you know you kind of kind of filter through and some are good and some are not but they have some really good storylines in there it's the same as the games you know like knights of yeah. the old republic is a fantastic star wars game and, and it was because they just sort of stared the series away from the usual type of stuff you know mm-hmm yeah, really- well, well, that's it. I guess, I guess, when you don't have a studio that's kind of pumping money in and expecting results back, you have a lot more leeway. Like I was even playing um, Force Awakens, and you mm. go to, I believe the planet is called Drathomir or Darthomir or something like that, but it's got all the Darth Maul lads. Oh yeah, are there? Um, which I think that's your name, yeah, Darth Maul lads. Darth Maul <laughs> lads, I believe. Yeah, the race is just oh, there's <laughs> the Darth Maul lads hanging out over there. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. So. We've got the costume. Now here's one. This is a we'll show the generational gap here, perhaps. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you first seen your first horror movie? And can you remember what it was? I have no clue. It it had to be something. So they would play horror movies on Saturday on mm. TV. Mm. And it had to be something like that. And I'm thinking, like I know I love like the the Christopher Lee hammer vampire mm, movie yeah 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 I, i'm thinking it was maybe one of those and like i was a scared kid so i would just scare the bejesus out of myself watching this <laughs> stuff but i would yeah. constantly watch it constantly watch it so i'm thinking it was it was probably something like that it could have been something even more cheesy that just whatever came on tv but i definitely have early memories of those christopher lee dracula movies we, yeah we kind of i'm not sure whether you know as the technology improves i don't know whether they became better at scaring kids or was the result the same? Like, did you get the same buzz out of watching, say, a Christopher Lee hammer horror as I think my first horror film was like Alien and I was way too young to see it. Mm. I was like totally terrified. <laughs> and like It was in my nightmares for years after I seen it. But I had this strange fascination to go and watch that stuff over and over again as a kid. I wonder what that is. There's definitely something psychological to it where 
you see something that you're not supposed to see and it does scare you, but you're trying to like G yourself up to go back and watch it again or see something like it again. Terminator was another one that kind of scared me a little bit. Terminator 1 and 2. Yeah, I don't re- I remember uh, one of the Friday the 13th movies was, uh, I watched it way too young. I was yeah. way too young to watch yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, we got a, my parents got a VCR pretty early. So we would, rent these movies and and there was no supervision as to what we rented whatsoever no, no, no. <laughs> just they did not care Ugh. what we rented so that was one i watched probably way too young and i remember that one bugged me a good bit just mm. it, it was more like things that i thought like you know there could be a dude under your bed you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know uh, totally yeah no i remember um the, i think the first one that resonates with me i definitely saw horror movies before but the first one that traumatized me was we went to like a sleepover when i was 11 or 12 and we watched the original it movie with tim curry as the clown oh that'll do it yeah ah uh, yeah it was like and it was only the first part i don't think i i can't remember if that it was like because it was vhs so if it had a do two vhs set you know because mm. that movie's like three hours long all in um but i used to have bunk beds man and i used to just i used to sleep on the top bunk bed and I would just imagine the clown's face just slowly <laughs> rising up. You know oh, what geez. I mean? And it just, it was with me, like it was in my mind. But uh, that, yeah, that that certainly, that movie, that movie stuck with me. But what stuck me before movies even, I don't know if either of you guys remember, um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, yeah, TV classic. Show. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that used to be on Network 2. It was like half five on a Tuesday. And I would literally just hang around with my mom afterwards for the rest of the night like doing dishes and stuff and she was like he's so nice on a tuesday he's so like <laughs> docile and i was so scared after watching it every tuesday you know yeah a goosebumps was even a bit creepy yeah. at times and that was very for like kids you know mm. great books as well yeah. so rl stein absolutely and then like because rl stein like he got that really clever stuff where he started like you choose your own scare you yeah. are the arbiter of your own horror <laughs> from now on, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those choose your own books or the the adventure books, they're a pretty cool thing, actually. Mm. Kind of for you yeah. kind of forget about them. Yeah, they I always thought they there'd be some way to like update them in, in a in the internet age and make you something see that really Black Mirror. Nice. That that episode of Black Mirror that was choose your own adventure, kind of. I've not watched any Black Mirror. I know I, Tim. I keep I know. I know i know i have to watch it it's one of those things it's like on the list but it's uh, all good even if you the, the beauty of black mirror is you can just jump in and watch one or two like you yeah, don't yeah. have to binge it. every story is a standalone experience it's, it's like if the twilight zone was directed by david lynch like yeah. it's it's super uncomfortable yeah you know what i mean like i i've, I've watched a couple and just been like i really shouldn't have watched that in my right. current emotional state <laughs> like they're they're right. very bleak very very bleak it's kind of yeah there's a bit of there's elements of sci-fi horror to it i yeah. suppose yeah, as well yeah, yeah, yeah it's, sure. it's, it's got that kind of buzz and really good social commentary and stuff yeah. but it's, mm. it's a good watch so next question folks well wait 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 before oh. we get off horror movies right what did you got a favorite yeah yeah, well, it, it, it'll change between a lot of them, but I like it, the Alien series is, is one of the first ones I was exposed to, and I really do love it. But I do love some of the the. I, do you know what I really like? Actually, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Mm. You, good, yeah. I, I thought that was. You see, myself and Eamon were of an age where the Romero zombie flicks. You know, while they were great, they were a bit corny because we yeah. we were sort of like a bit older, and then. 
and then so when the remake came out, it was kind of what we were looking for. It had it had the Romero script more or less. I know they changed it in places and things. That kind of the idea was the mm. same, and it was modern, so it had modern gore, modern. Now there was a few silly parts in it and stuff, but I I enjoyed that one. I thought that was a really good flick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is brilliant. For me, I love the, the movie series Halloween. Mm. Uh, Michael Myers is a like the villain of my life if i have one thing that scares me more he's literally if i'm if i'm stressed out about something i will have a dream about michael myers just chasing (laughs) me like i swear to god it's sometimes the dream isn't even my perspective it's like a camera it's like a movie and i'm just there being like oh shit i better hide in the closet um but uh the for me i love even when it starts to get really dumb even when it goes into like halloween six and there's a druidic curse on him and he has this tattoo and they try to like do laboratory experiments on him and stuff like there's something about halloween and it's all that's like a choose your own adventure because you can there's four different timelines of movies that you can be like all right i'm like one and then i'm two and then i'm this one or i'm the first one like the, the most recent one is the first movie and then you have the last two sequels then there's the middle one where you have the, the the first six movies and then nothing else after that. But I I love the character of Michael Myers. I I think he's I don't know it's terrifying and because there's it's there's so much mystique about it. You know yeah. I love that they've never really explained it except in the Rob Zombie ones, which maybe lessen the the fright a little bit because of that. Mm-hmm. So my favorite is it's kind of stretching the definition of horror a little bit, but th- right. this is actually my my favorite movie of all time. Night of the Hunter. I don't think I've seen it. Mm. Go run and see this movie. It's made in 1955. It's a black and oh, white movie. Okay. It was this director was a movie critic. Um, he made one movie, Night of the Hunter. And basically, he these uh other directors uh, were saying Charles Lawton, I think is his name. Mm. These other directors were saying, you know, because he was writing these critiques of movies, and they said, you know if you think you know so much, why don't you make a movie yourself then? Mm. And he did. And it's damn near perfect. Wow. It is an absolute masterpiece of very weird, very creepy. Um, it's Robert Mitchum plays this kind of preacher gone bad that shows up in these, at these people's houses. It's, it's a long story. I won't give it all away, mm. but uh, he's very, very creepy and basically haunts these two children throughout the movie and wow. and stalks them and they end up uh they end up it's during uh it takes place during the depression in america here and they end up at, at this woman's house who's just taking in all these kind of lost children and stuff and and he comes along and and this old woman has to deal with them uh lillian gish a silent movie actress but you know she's much older at this point and it's just it's just fabulous it's just such a stunning movie and That's my absolute wow. favorite of all time still holds up today yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There's nothing like it. There's nothing mm. like it. That's a lot, cool. a lot of those movies from the fifties really do hold up today. Like, like old Twilight Zones. I, mm. I'm, I love, and maybe it's because of the way they shot things, because of the lack of resource that we're used to now. But it, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Some of those fifties movies are just perfect. The way, the way they're put together, the way they're composed. Do you know what? Um, frightened me actually. It just popped into my head when we were talking about it. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. That really spooked me. I think it was a remake that maybe came out in the 80s. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, that I seen that when I was way too young as well. <laughs> I think I think we rented it for like one of my friend's ninth birthdays or something, <laughs> and uh, I think there's a nude scene in that, and like his mom came in and like just you know what's going on here, eh? um, <laughs> but yeah, it was that that film really terrified me. I think it's films where you think where no one is safe and they can all transform and you don't know who to trust. Mm. Like the thing is a great film yeah, for that as well. Fantastic. Um, it, it, it really gets into the sort of the psychological aspect of it because you just don't know who to trust. And I think that makes for a good film in general. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know for me, one of the, the ones that stands out in my head is we rented the exorcist to the heretic right. for kids. And no one knew we had right. It was like 18. So to get it from the video store, I was the tallest one. Clearly not, <laughs> clearly not 18, but the guy, the guy didn't care, you know? Um, but uh, we rented The Exorcist too. We watched it. We kind of made fun of it because like, it's not a bad movie, but it's just so much character driven. We were looking for the schlocky, more Friday the 13th kind of stuff, you know, because we were, we were kind of that age. But I remember... Um, we had to keep it for the night before we bring it back to the video store. And I went back to my parents' house or whatever. And I put the video under my bed because I knew I'd get in trouble if I had like watched The Exorcist 2. And all night I was just thinking that like some demon would come out of the video. Like I had transgressed in some <laughs> way and things were coming for me. But yeah, I remember that vividly and a sleepless night. Nice. Yeah, that is pretty spooky. Um, when, I have, was, yeah. when I was a little kid, I used to... So we, I lived on a farm in rural Maryland and there was one library is about five, six miles away. And we would always go to this little library. It's just a tiny little library. Um, it's pretty much the, the size of like, like the kitchen in my house now. It's just mm-hmm. this little tiny library. And they didn't have much in there, but they had this series of books called Man, Myth and Magic. And I would, I would get them out. And I, I blame these books for, for making me into the weirdo I am today. <laughs> I, I, I was like five, six years old. And, and my mom, you know, I, she's very Catholic, but mm. no rules as to what you're allowed to read. Right. Like yeah. reading was okay. Like mm-hmm. anything, anything you could read pretty much. They did. There was some things uh, when I got into some, some adult comics uh, a little bit later that she was a little... <laughs> A little worried about heavy metal. I don't know if you, you get, or metal yeah. hurling, you know, yeah, some of those were, were a little, but uh, they didn't ban them. They didn't tell me I couldn't have them, but they, they weren't too pleased with it. But no. as far as books, they didn't, you know, it was kind of like, whatever, read, you know, go ahead and read. So I would get these out and it was a, an encyclopedia of just weird stuff. So it's like, you know, everything from, you know, apparitions to, through zombies and, and everything in between and all these like weird religions, a lot of on witchcraft and stuff. And, you know, I'm a little kid and, I stayed up all, late all night. I, I don't know why. I've always been a night person. I would stay up late in my room drawing. Mm. And I would look through these books for inspiration. You know, I'd like these, draw these, you know, monsters and demons and stuff. Mm. And there was a, a article in, in there on demons. And it had these, these different, these old etchings of demons. And I think one of them might have been Beelzebub or something. It's like half mm. fly, like this half demon. Yeah, thing. Yeah. And it's, it's a summer night. I've got my window open. You know, I'm I'm reading this book and I hear something in my room and it's just just this huge moth. But somehow I've convinced myself, you know, as a kid, I'm looking at this picture of this, you know, this fly demon thing <laughs> that, that this moth is somehow, you know, some, some sort of demon in my room. And, and I've got to get it. Now, I will say as an adult, I love moths and, and I, I do not hurt moths. And, and I spent many times collecting them. And it's one of my dreams to actually 
uh, discover a new species of moth because I would get to name it. Oh, nice, mm. nice. Uh, but uh, so I'm very fond of moths now, but I, I I could not abide this this moth that scared, <laughs> scared me so much as a kid. I, I smashed it, you know. So oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I was so scared me, yeah. by that book, just so creeped out by it. Yeah, moths kind of spook me, man. I don't know what it is about them. I wouldn't kill them or anything, but they do spook me. Uh, I don't like them flying around the room or anything like that. I don't know what it is. They can get super big as well, which yeah. is like where it gets scary. I, you don't see too many big ones over here, mm-hmm. but um, when you do see a big moth, because and, and, and that's a way with, with moths as well. Like they're kind of cute as well. Yeah. Some moths look really cute. And then some of them are like, this is a giant hairy fly thing. And I, I hell creature. Beelzebub yeah, it's in my blood to be nervous. Yeah. <laughs> there are vampire moths. Right. Are there? Not yeah, not anywhere where we live, but uh, I think in some tropical places there are vampire moths. No, that is legitimately well, terrifying yeah, to me. That's, that's enough, yeah. Which is a great segue, by the way. Before we jump off this topic, to just let everyone check and uh, to know how good Midnight Mass is, because we've been talking <laughs> about it. Like, I feel like we're sponsored by Midnight yeah. We should Mass. be. We should be. We we talked about it quite a lot on one of our episodes, and, and we were talking with Tim about it beforehand. But isn't it just such a great show? Mm. Oh, I, it I really just, is, yeah. fantastic, fantastic. It's so good. I've, I've tried to get my, my son is very particular about what he watches. Right. And he has, he has very good taste. Okay. I tried to get him to watch. I was like, you, as I'm telling him it's character driven. You will <laughs> like this. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I, I found it excellent. I, I like Haunting of Hill House. I didn't see mm. the other ones that, mm. that, uh, that director did, yeah. but but this I liked even more than Haunting a Hill House. I, 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 I agree with you. Like I, <clears throat> I watched Haunting a Hill House. I absolutely loved it, man. It had me in tears one or two times because it was so character focused and there was so oh, yeah. much yeah. tenderness. It wasn't it wasn't like it was obviously a, a haunted kind of spooky show, but so much tenderness and so many of the characters and so much stuff about family and regret and trauma. And, uh, you know, that that was so good. But I have to agree with you about Midnight Mass there's a certain tone to it and maybe it's because it it sort of leans in a little bit to the i don't know i don't want to say anything because it might yeah. ruin it for people but but I, I i totally agree i preferred it more but i, I thought haunting of hill house was was fantastic as oh well. yeah it was excellent excellent but yeah the, and you know the the so there's the big bad guy and then there's the 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 you know guy who, who may or may not be a bad guy mm-hmm. there's there's so many layers to the characters because yeah you know, I think I don't think the priest was always making you know selfish decisions. I think at, at you mm. know the way I read it, he was kind of at times doing what he thought was best, and then it just things just went sideways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I it was t- all t- informed, t- totally yeah. and that's I, and that's the great thing about that show. And I think that's where it really excels is sometimes what can really make or break a piece of like scary media. I suppose is when characters behave like without any common sense. That happened in um the second Prometheus film. Like it's a team of like researchers and scientists and, and all this stuff. And they basically behave the exact opposite as a team of those people would do. Like they land on an alien planet and they all walk out without any helmets on or anything and just start walking <laughs> around. And like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, scientists and people that go to space even now are so concerned about contaminating the environment that they land on, even with the rovers and things that they, they clean them down. And they're very careful about how to sterilize everything. And these guys just walk out of a spaceship without any helmets on, sort of, you know, they're kicking grass and like, you know, <laughs> pulling down trees and yeah. stuff. And it just doesn't make sense. But Midnight Mass, 
uh, almost every character what they do makes sense there's nothing yeah. that raises an eyebrow when you go hang on this is the exact opposite of what i was expecting from this person you know mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i would say i would i would also say and this, maybe this is a little bit divisive um did you watch the movie the mist with like tom yeah. jane and so i i love that movie but i know there's some people who are like fuck that movie <laughs> but i i i like that there there's some real uh, what would you say like like cookie cutter characters to an extent but i i did love the feeling of that movie the claustrophobia yeah that you know but again that that is the only reason it's coming to mind is because the two religious zealots reminded yeah. me of each other uh albeit at the one in midnight mass is is you know it's it's not as extravagant let's say mm-hmm. but um the yeah the two of those reminded me a little bit of each other but midnight mass yeah to your point it's it's just it, it's it's almost perfect. I would chef's say. kiss. Chef's mm. kiss. Yeah, yeah it's got a chef's kiss. Yeah, worth the investment of of time. For it sure, is. Sure, yeah. For so sure. even if our listeners there are looking for something to watch today on Halloween, even if you start it, it'll definitely get you in the mood. It's um, it's definitely worth the watch. Mm. So we've done movies, guys. Favorite scary book. This was something that I had to kind of go back and think about because it's been a while since I read a spooky book. Mm. um tim have you got uh any that jumps out to mind well you know i i read a lot of clive barker and and mm. stephen king and stuff mm. um when i was younger you know if you were going to say like choose something straight horror i'd probably just choose like a, a poe collection or something okay yeah, but yeah but overall i'm going to choose the mothman prophecies which mm, is by john keel yeah yes. wow okay true but in to me that's very frightening like the, mm. the that book is if you really try to inhabit like the character of of you know john keel and that book's not a character i mean it's a true story but say mm. you know you try to put yourself in his place and in in place of the people that were experiencing those things at the time it's it's you know it's quite disturbing especially if uh you believe as i do that that uh, these things were actually happening mm. Mm. yeah that is mm. spooky emma what yeah. about yourself yeah. um the, the one that I enjoyed the most was a collection of short stories by Joe Hill, like right. Stephen King's kid, I think. Uh, but the, the book is called 21st Century Ghosts. Um, it's a it's a scary book. There are there's parts of it that are scary. There's a there's a short story in it called Black Telephone, which mm. I believe they're just making a movie out of now. And it's meant to be fantastic. You know, it was, a, it was one of the standout stories of the book as well. But the story that I like the most in that book, it's more of a bittersweet romantic story. Mm. Uh, it's the title story. It's called 21st Century Ghosts. And I'm just going to say now, spoilers, I'm going to give the whole story away. So if you want to read this, you know, skip ahead a couple of minutes. Mm. Um, but basically the idea of it is there's this old cinema that an old man sort of owns and, and works in, you know. <clears throat> and the whole thing is about this, this person seeing a ghost in the cinema. And he's it, it goes into a lot of his backstory about his brother going to war and being killed. And there's a, it's real. There's a, it's quite dense for a, mm. for a short story. But at the end of it, it talks about the old man and that he's basically had a relationship with this ghost um, spectrophilia, perhaps. Okay. But uh, a relationship with this ghost and they, they, he really manages to describe the feelings of love really well. And they talk about this old man sitting in the cinema watching his final movie and this apparition of a young woman giving him a kiss. And then that's like the kind of final thing that happens to him. And there's so much build up to it. And there's so much 
nice character focused stuff and it's written so beautifully it's it's a really it's a really special story like even outside of a horror short story it's just a it's a really fantastic short story in and of itself yeah i liked um i'm gonna go old school and say like bram stalker's dracula i really Mm. i read that when i was about 13 i think and I really enjoyed it and that kind of stuck with me. And you know what else? And it was about this age as well. I think that's kind of when I stopped reading spooky stuff was the the books. And they're kind of like, they are kind of like trashy Pulp Fiction-y type of stuff. But um, the Resident Evil books. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, I read them when I was like young and I, I think I was the right age, 12 to 13. Uh, what was it? Escape from Caliban Cove? Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they, they actually did give me the willies when I was reading them as a kid. Mm. So I think they they achieved what I wanted from them. They gave me the spooks. Um, but other than that, I don't think I read many spooky things later. I read some of the Arthur Conan Doyle stuff when I was around that age as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, was the Lair of the White Worm, was that him? Um, but yeah, those were good. I enjoyed all that type of stuff. Yeah, I skipped over Lovecraft. I, I, I oh, very yeah, yeah, Lovecraft. Racism aside, I'm, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, Lovecraft. Was he, was he a, a raging racist? Was he? Yeah, didn't oh. like the Jews, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. Didn't like much of anybody. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you weren't a uh, New England Protestant, I think okay. you were a subhuman <laughs> in, in, in his mind, but uh, I, yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. I, I find it because I, I was reading Lovecraft it's it's man it's kind of hard the amount of adjectives and adverbs and everything that he uses but the 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 mythology that he created with cthulhu and riella and nagora and all these things you can barely say man that that stuff is so cool like i i love that i was i i um I played a game called The Sinking City, which is kind of steeped in love that Lovecraft mythology. But the, the way that he that cosmic terror. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I love I love that. But I, I must admit, I find it difficult to read sometimes, <laughs> which is probably just because I'm a dense individual myself. You know, <laughs> so it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think as well. Um... And the, the original Frankenstein, you brought up Dracula. Yeah. Mm. The, the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's so not modern right so yeah it's it's if you're expecting like a modern horror tale you're not going to get it but the story itself is very creepy like you know the the guy just builds this monster that that just haunts him for the rest of his life i mean that is like really really creepy and when you consider you know when it was written uh you know what was happened socially at the time and so forth it's it's Mm. uh it's very very interesting but it is it's for as a modern read it's it's a little weird i think there's you know Mm. There is, there is elements of that as well. I remember reading um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and and feeling like a, a lot of pathos for the monster himself that he oh, was yeah, so lost, sure. you know? Yeah. But yeah, to your point, there's a lot of nice, you know, I, I think that's great because we think of horror and we always kind of think of like, oh, here's the big bad and he's coming and he's going to take everything. And I do love it when they kind of humanize and they have a compassionate view towards the monster, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like old King Kong vibes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. what was the other? You know, you were mentioning the New England Protestant buzz. Do, do you remember that in the the sort of the story of the New Jersey Devil? How like Ben Franklin sort of had um beef or the Jersey <laughs> Devil rather with the um the family that were involved with that whole story. It was pretty funny. I can't really recall it properly. I'm trying but to remember. It was yeah. the it was the almanac that. They had like rival almanacs or yeah. something, didn't they? And Ben Franklin was like 
making fun of this guy all the time in mm. his almanac. Yeah, I stumbled <laughs> across a podcast that was it was a genealogy podcast. Right, right. And my my wife's family does genealogy, and so I was just kind of flipping through the episodes just to see what they did. But I didn't listen to it. But they had a whole episode where they got into the, the Leeds family ge- genealogy, which nice. is nice. Mother Leeds was supposed to be the you know the mother of the Jersey Devil. Yeah, Jaffet and all that was another fellow, wasn't he, from that story? Jaffet Leeds, I think, was the name yeah, of the guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I, I have to go back and find that podcast and listen because that, that would be interesting to see someone who actually did the genealogy. Yeah, on. yeah. Send it yeah, on yeah. because that you know. that was a big part of that story, like oh, the yeah, genealogy. Yeah. I rem- I remember us talking about that though on, on the episode, and it was like it was like Def Jam between two, <laughs> two, two 19th century politicians or yeah. whatever you know yeah. it, was, it was great it was entertaining it was good here's a fun little question for these lads you're in a horror movie are you the final girl the first to die the comic relief the skeptic the smart one or the killer mm. um well I'll, I'll let Eamon take that one first Eamon what do you reckon are you the um, final girl the first to die the comic relief skeptic smart one or killer I, I have a feeling I'd probably be a combination of of <laughs> the final girl, the first to die, of the comic relief, and the skeptic. <laughs> I'm definitely not the smart one or the killer. You might be um, the smart. You know, you're definitely. If it was me and you, you're the smart one. So you might be him, depending. No, on oh, I, I think I think you're. I think you might be the smart one in that. You're like, <laughs> we need to leave, and I'm like, no, we need to understand the killer so we can rehabilitate him. <laughs> well, that's true as well. Yeah. I suppose there's levels there, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd I'd like to think that when when the things are spooky. I'll try to make a, a little wry joke to, to keep the spirits up. Right. So I might go with comic relief, which in essence means I'm the one that smokes weed and gets killed sort of First. midway through the second act. Yeah, I think yeah. is where I go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even Tim, what are you thinking? Ah, oh, it's really hard because mm. so before that thing happened with, with the raccoon and my son, yeah. I couldn't have told you what I would do in, in a situation like that. Right. The one good thing that came out of that situation is like, so I've been in fights and stuff as a kid, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but in like a real situation where I was like, you had to step up and you had to put your, like, I had to put myself between the raccoon and my son. I had to take care of that situation. Mm-hmm. Before that happened, I never knew for sure. I mean, you, you hope, you hope you will do the right thing. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. Like, yeah. I hope I'm going to yeah. be the hero and stuff, but you, I, I guess I just never really knew. Mm. And, uh, when the, the chips were down i did i stood up i was like i was like i, I gotta face this thing down there's no one else you know it's, it's me or or my son and it's not going to be my son so i'm going to do this so that's kind of changed my perspective it's like you know i still get spooked on I mean, when we go out and do this stuff uh but i also have like a sort of confidence like okay i can i'll just handle it whatever mm-hmm. comes up you know which allows me to do these things so what does that make me? Not the skeptic, because I believe everything. I'm not yeah. my wife will tell you. I'm, 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 like, <laughs> yeah, when you got when you messaged me about Davy the Snail, you were like, is that, "Where is this Davy the Snail guy? I got to interview all these people at Wexford." <laughs> I was fully ready to go. Just full strange familiars on that. I'm like, this is not people around. There, these these they still are there. Some of these witnesses are alive. I can find these people. Yeah. So for context as well for Tim's <laughs> listeners, um, there's a character sort of on our podcast called Davy the Snail, and he's actually based on a real person but we turned him into a cryptid um where where i wrote an episode in the style of the usual cryptid episodes we do 
and we we tr- we basically acted our way through the episode and pretended like all this actually happened and it was kind of a homage to our hometown because we used a lot of like our friends who are regular listeners mm. we used the, their names so these are all real people from Wexford and um it came out really good actually and people enjoyed it but it was when you messaged me about it it was so funny you were like I gotta find out I was thinking like I gotta find <laughs> out about this guy you know <laughs> was good. this really had I mean there's people around who you know, yeah. like is, is this like literally so, they so, saw someone a snail or did this just look like some kind of slimy gray alien thing like what are they talking about yeah, you know, so, it was funny. I gotta get the description from the witnesses. Yeah, I was, I was all in. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm not the skeptic for sure. <laughs> uh, first to die, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you're, you're a big dude, Tim. Mm. You'd be all right. You're definitely not. I, I'd say you're going to. You might be. You're going to be up there. I'd say anyway. You're either the smart one or the fine one. I'll, I'll give you that compliment. Mm. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I don't give my <laughs> wife and son joy. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd say I'm probably going to be the comic relief. I'm probably going to get my ass killed fairly quickly. Like, but I'd make a joke about it on the way, you know. Mm, I, I I think you'd have a good bit of fight in you. I've been. Or, I've, you're to, you're to, a fight. You're a fighty kind of a man when you need to, to be. Yeah. To be fair, like I've been in. Like I was on the roof of Loftus Hall before, and that didn't really spook me. Um, I've been in a, a few spooky places, and and I didn't really get the willies, you know. Um, so. Yeah, I do all right in that situation. So maybe, like, maybe, but I feel like if it was if I was in like the alien film universe or something, I would just like, yeah, just kill me. You know, I, I wouldn't even yeah, want to survive. Just yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, which is which is another nice segue. Well, into... aren't, aren't you aren't you alive though? When they put the eggs in you, don't they just like? Oh, yeah. that's right, yeah. And you're up yeah. in all that kind of weird sort of stuff they put on the walls that's yeah, yeah so in a way yeah, you yeah. do survive till the end that kind of happened yeah, yeah, until it bursts <laughs> through your chest you're alive pretty much didn't that happen yeah. in uh resurrection there was a really annoying guy in it and he i think got taken fairly early on but sigourney weaver's character actually found him towards the end he was in like the queen's nest or something like that i think oh that was one where the the alien human hybrid yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it like bit him on the head yeah that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that was man that alien human thing, thing i didn't like that do you know that had nervous. do you know that edited out here's a bit of trivia about that film for you that actually to make it even more creepy had male and female genitalia that were massive on its like stomach area right and and it like i've seen the unedited versions of it and it's just it's bizarre looking. Mm. I think they just edited it out because it was like too distracting. They were like, oh, okay, right, "This thing right. is crazy enough looking. Like we don't need to add more stuff on top of it." I, but it was it was I, terrifying. I must say, in terms of uh, spooky movies, sort of, because I thought you meant there that maybe it was there, but you don't really notice it, but you notice something's off. Yeah. But in I watched that documentary on The Shining, and uh, they were showing the amount of stuff that Kubrick was doing to unsettle your subconscious. Oh yeah. So they did stuff where like Danny walks past the fridge and the magnets are in a certain, you know, a certain way or whatever. And then when he walks back in the shot, they've been changed. So subconsciously you're like, something's not right here, but you're, right. you're, yeah, you don't, you don't pick it up. You don't figure it out. And there was so much stuff like the, the room that Jack goes into for the interview, there's a window there, but based on the structure of the hotel and the way it looks before you see it, it couldn't have a window because it's in the center of the hotel. Ah. So again, subconsciously, your brain is like, "This something's not right here. Something's not right here," and it just leads that that feeling of kind of like the uncanny or like, "What's going on?" You know, it's a fantastic idea. They did a lot that. of that with uh, Haunting a Hill House too, didn't they? 
like yeah i was about to say the ghosts in the background yeah yeah you don't really you can't really make out but some part of your brain is probably like wait a second what was that yeah yeah messes with messes with your senses but it's uh another one here which is kind of related to and it's our last question before we get on to the spooky stories if you got trapped in a scary movie which one would you go for Hmm. like what universe would you want to be trapped in I, i i mean i suppose you're going to be looking for something that's not too creepy and like sort of manageable Mm. Uh, especially if you're trapped in it my initial thing the first thing that popped into my head was Halloween because it's kind of really well things don't get crazy until a certain point right so I mean at least your daytime (laughs) as long as as you can like have a brisk walk once a year you can Mm. probably just outrun them just like oh it's Halloween night I gotta walk at a moderate you know I just just keep walking Um, I get that here's my my answer though would just be Candyman and I just don't say it five times in front of me. <laughs> that's fine. That's a pretty good one, actually, Tim. Have you got anything jumping to mind? Definitely not a zombie movie for no, me. Oh, hell no, mm. Sam. Mm. Uh, probably nothing like Aliens. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Food for anything. Um, you know, if I was younger, in my mm. my younger days, where where I was a uh, um, less of a uh, married man say mm-hmm. uh <laughs> I, I would have chosen the wicker man because i i kind of like uh, what was going on in, in the, the background. Pe- sex people <laughs> going around the place. but, but uh, as things go there was a movie in the 80s called the company of wolves oh uh, very oh, yeah i know that one i know that was um irish director i think did that really cool movie yeah and it was it, it kind of bounced back and forth through time and and uh, you know generally a werewolf movie but with a twist but it was very kind of decadent and and, and you know elegant and, and gothy mm. and stuff and yeah so so I'll t- I, I l- let me have that i'll go there yeah right, cool. midsummer midsummer would be one that wouldn't be very good actually yeah and that's kind of got the pagan vibes about it as well but yeah that one takes a turn fairly quickly as well oh yeah, yeah. it is not yeah, I mean, was a slow burn but it but a good slow yeah. burn yeah it was it was it was a roller coaster very intense film um, yeah yeah it just it got, it got crazy it's a film we always reference all the time for that mm. bizarre sex scene but um yeah. it, was, it was a complete because like i hadn't watched a lot of good horror films in in recent years i'd sort of been just watching tv and and, and not really following cinema at, at the time and i jumped back in with hereditary and then midsummer and uh yeah they're very good flicks mm. very good the, flicks. those art house sort of spooky movies like the witch as well they're, mm. they're ga- they seem to be gaining a lot of ground now yeah oh is, yeah really oh, cool. yeah a field in england that's one of my absolute seen oh that's the black and white one with yeah the, yes 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 that's and, and, that is bizarre yeah yeah and again more of a psychological thing than a, mm. a straight horror movie but but very very disturbing and very very interesting like just the way mm. it's done it's very, really for really sure cool. for sure that's the one and actually you know i don't want to say anything because i feel like i'll I'll give away things. I was going to say, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Keep it, keep it strong. Yeah. So are we on to the stories then? One, let me yeah. go back to Halloween just out right. of curiosity. So, and this is just pure curiosity, you mm-hmm. know, me growing up here, you guys growing up there. What was Halloween like when you were kids? Did, did like, so here, you know, basically I'd get home from school. Again, I lived in a r- very rural area. Mm-hmm. I throw on my costume at about, you know, 5 p.m. or, you know, maybe my mom would make me eat dinner and dinner was always at 6 p.m. at our house, always 6 p.m., 6 p.m. So maybe she'd make me eat dinner first, but right away I'd, I'd run out and I'd start trick-or-treating. Now, 
mm. rural area, there's, you know, acres between houses. I would walk miles and miles <laughs> and knock on every, I would go back these. I, so I was alone. Like, you know, once I was the youngest of six and once my, my brothers and sisters were no longer interested in trick or treating, you know, I still mm. was no kids, my age in the neighborhood. So I would go alone on Halloween and walk back these like dark spooky drives uh... to these farmhouses that were like, uh, you know, a half mile back into the woods and knock on their door. And these people like now as an adult, I, 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 I was like, can't believe I did that. Cause it's like, you know, here comes a knock on your door in the, you know, nine o'clock at night on Halloween, <laughs> some little kid with a bag, you know, a lot of these people didn't even have candy. They're like, Oh, uh, let me find something for you. And you know, they <laughs> run off and they give me a dollar or something, you know, or you throw a quarter in my bag, <laughs> but I would just go and go and go, you know, until I was, I, you know, I was done. But uh, a couple of times I went with my friends to their neighborhoods. They lived in kind of neighborhoods and that was mm. always incredible because you'd come home with a, you know, a trash bag full of candy. They just, mm. you know, had big events, but uh, yeah. So what that was it, you know, I, there was spooky stuff and, and, you know, we try to do spooky stuff, but there was, it was very much like that Halloween night when you were a kid, you go out and get, get the candy. So what was it like for you guys? Um, for me, anyway, it was, it, I would say that, you know, Halloween here, uh, funnily enough, Hall- Halloween when my granddad was a kid was called Cabbage Stump Night. <laughs> and, this, and, and he was literally telling me the story. I was laughing my ass off. My granddad was born in, I think, 1935. And uh, in, in Wexford Town, here was, you know, he would have been in, I suppose, every area wasn't really affluent at the time, you know. Um, but they'd basically just chop the head off a cabbage and throw it at people's doors and run off. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that was their Halloween at that time, which which is interesting because you That's kind what of we think, called fun, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. It's like one of those Abe Simpson stories, isn't it? But yeah. as because you think you go right as further we went back, you would think it's closer to the sort of the pagan influence, the sow, and you think it's it's more like that. But I actually I think in modern times we've discovered all that again, and we're going through a, a sort of a, an experience of trying to renew interest in Halloween and Samhain and all that. But for me growing up, it was very much the Americanized Halloween, I would say, trick-or-treating, you know, lots of sweets, lots of candy and um, door-to-door stuff. You know, we all like, we had pretty bad costumes and things like that, but it was, yeah, same thing. We'd have like bin liners full of sweets by the time we got home. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And Eamon, what was it like for you? Um, it would have been similar enough to yours. Yeah. The the only thing is you had like, <clears throat> you had people who gave, you know, you had the fun bags of sweets or whatever. They give you a couple of pieces of, of candy or whatever. But there was the other people that gave you monkey nuts and pennies. Ah, they were the born You know, ones. and I was like, I remember, I don't, well, I don't remember this, but my neighbor told me about it years later. Uh, so we went right to my next door neighbor and I was like a tiny little kid. My mom was going around with me we were we were doing the trick-or-treating and so they gave me whatever i think they gave me an apple and some monkey nuts and i walked back to my mom and they were still looking at me as i went away and apparently i looked up and i was like mom they didn't give me any chocolate (laughs) (laughs) i was super upset about it so yeah i think i think uh for me it was very 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 similar to yourself uh you just go around and you have a bag of sweets and 
you're nearly vomiting by the end of the night because of how much you're eating. We did the bob for apples and all that stuff as well. Yeah, I remember yeah, doing yeah. that where you're nearly dr- drowning trying to get yeah. an apple that might have <laughs> yeah. a bit of money in it or something like that, which is absolutely gross when you think about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so disgusting. Like, mm-hmm. A manky coin in, in, in an COVID apple. times, it's the worst of the worst. <laughs> yeah. There was always the house that gave out pennies. There was always the house that gave mm. out toothbrushes. Toothbrushes, really? Oh, toothbrushes. We didn't have yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that's... Toothbrushes or, or little little things of toothpaste. It's like, okay, we get it. You're, yeah, you're that's a busybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a busybody type of thing. There was there was one house, and and I became this the the person who lived there. I became friends with him in high school. Yeah. But uh, he went to a, a private Catholic school, mm. so I didn't know him when when I was you know trick or treat age. Uh, but they would go away every year and their house was about I think, you know three quarters of a mile or to, to a mile away from from the farmhouse where i live mm-hmm. they would go away every halloween and they would leave a bowl on their front porch with a sign that says take one nice. but they would have the full-size candy bars oh, nice. like not the little ones full-size ones so it was literally a race for like <laughs> get there before anybody else. And the first person who got there took the whole bowl and dumped it in their bag. Of course, um, <laughs> I, I, that's that's brilliant. I saw a funny meme earlier today. It was like death comes to to get an old woman at her door, you know, and uh, she opens the door, but it's Halloween Halloween night, and so she thinks it's just a kid dressed up, and she holds out like a, a bag of sweets. And he's like, Margaret, I have come to take your life. And he goes, holy shit, full-size Snickers. Never mind, Margaret, we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I don't think I got the full-size ones. No, no we, we didn't get those over here, I'm afraid. Oh, no, we they, they were rare, but uh, you, mm. you remembered the, those houses. <laughs> those houses never got their windows soaked or anything. Yeah, <laughs> I remember a bit of delinquency as well, for sure, um, as maybe a... 12 to 14 year old maybe 15 year old i think there was a bit of delinquency you know setting off mm. fireworks and mm, yeah. you know maybe a bit of vegan was going on i i can't really remember but i do remember being up to no good you see where i used to trick-or-treat there was a, a pauper's graveyard right beside it and so it was really spooky if you went through this pauper's graveyard it's still there to this day it's actually not far from my house at all loads of unmarked dead in there and i thought as a kid growing up, I was like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, probably like 10, 15 people looking at the size of the place because uh, it's not very big. I'll send you some pictures sometime um, when I'm going through. Uh, but there was hundreds, I think. Very oh, there. yeah. Yeah. We, pilot. Uh, we did a story early on in the podcast. That there's a potter's field here in York. Mm. And uh, Barnum came through with the circus and one of the, the cannibals died while they were in York. Uh, he was a, a little person mm. and the so-called cannibals, quote unquote cannibals. Yeah. They were not cannibals. The, the <laughs> newspaper story at the time in the 1800s said that uh, the other cannibals ate him when he died. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is not true. No. However, he, he was buried in this pauper's graveyard, Potter's field, we call him. Yeah. And uh, they dug him up uh, to move him. I guess they moved the Potter's field. Uh, I think 10 or 15 years after he was initially buried, they mm. and they opened the coffin and there was nothing inside. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There is an associated story that we heard of a local doctor who supposedly had the bones of a little person hanging in his office. That's oh. and Yeah. So back in the 1800s, it was very common for grave robbers to take bodies and take them to medical mm. people. 
So we we are wondering if uh, through some you know chain of events that that this doctor you know ended up with the the bones of uh, mm. the uh, they called him the little general. He was one of Barnum's so-called Fiji cannibals. Oh, but no. uh, really, really interesting story, and we yeah. eventually we're going to try to get a marker there for him. That'd be uh, nice. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that'd be a good thing. Yeah, that that's the whole um, Burke and Hare, wasn't it? The the they were Irishmen who moved to England, and medical students needed cadavers to work on so they mm-hmm. used to they 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 i think they got put to death eventually i could be wrong about that but for a long time they were just exhuming bodies bringing them into the the uh the medical students in england and that was how they were making their money oh yeah yeah there's a there's another local story here that i'm going to cover on the podcast eventually but it's a, a fellow who uh who died I'm not going to get into how, but uh, his father sat on his grave with a gun because there was a rumor that uh, he he was buried with a gold watch, and mm. he was so uh, yeah. he was so afraid that that they were going to dig him up to to try to get his gold watch. So he actually spent several nights, like literally, just camped out on his son's grave with a shotgun. Jeez. Yeah, there's uh she was talks of that. I was only listening to it on the radio the other day. There was some woman saying that she had had um, I think she had a miscarriage. But she was told by the nuns at the time, because at, at the time in Ireland, um, nuns were basically hit the nurses in hospitals, you know. Mm. And oftentimes there was hospitals where it was just nuns working. And uh, they told her at the time that, oh, we will put the fetus at the foot of someone else's coffin when they die. So there was a lot of this type of stuff going on where people were actually putting, um, say, children that were had out of wedlock things like that into the bottom of other people's coffins as they were getting buried oh wow yeah spooky right yeah poor kids i i have a spooky nun story oh yeah (laughs) i was uh, my parents would again youngest of six i very very young they would they would drop me off at mass and then the sunday school building was behind the church this Mm. little rural, rural church i went to and i would i would walk to the sunday school now, the quickest way between the church and the Sunday school was through the graveyard. Right. So I would just walk through the graveyard. One day, this nun saw me walk through the graveyard and I got to the Sunday school and she pulled me aside and she said, uh, don't do that. Hmm. And she said, if you walk through the graveyard, you're going to you're going to fall down in the grave and you're going to be with the skeletons. Oh, oh, geez. Now, little did she know that I was a creep. So. <laughs> <laughs> So this was no, in no way worry. I was like, skeletons, cool. You know, I, I, I knew enough not to say that out loud. I didn't yeah. want to get you know the ruler across the knuckles. But yeah. uh, I, in my head, I'm I'm thinking, oh, I, I don't mind that. Skeletons yeah. are awesome, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was no deterrent whatsoever. But, uh, but did you find any spooky skeletons? <laughs> no, I never fell in. I it didn't turn into Jason and the Argonauts when you walked through there. <laughs> no, no. A bunch of guys got up out. Of I, I think I probably I was I was more scared of the nun than I was scared of the skeleton. So I, I probably never walked through there again. Nice, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, you wouldn't be more scared of them, are you for sure? There's yeah. a lot of scary things. I think, I think there. that still holds up as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> so we're on the stories, yeah. If we do the yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll Tim, get there eventually. Yeah. Tim, do you want to do a spooky story first or will mm-hmm. we do the spooky story first? Well, I've got two, but I'll do a short one to start okay. off. Okay. Yeah, cool. So uh I, I've okay. heard you you say, and I think it was you guys mm-hmm. that uh not many Bigfoot in Ireland. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. that was us. Yeah. We did say that, Tim. Tell so us we're wrong. <laughs> before 
uh, we use the terms Bigfoot and Sasquatch, of course. Mm-hmm. Back in time, they called them wild men. Right. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't have those, those descriptions. So this is from the Freeman's Journal, Dublin, Ireland, the 6th of November, 1851. Nice. Wow. A wild man of the woods. A very curious rumor is at present prevalent in the southern part of our country, county, rather, in the southern mm-hmm. par- portion of our county, which has obtained general credence amongst the pre- peasantry. It is alleged that a wild man wearing no clothes and covered over with hair infests the plantations in the neighborhood of Ringwood, lurking in the topmost branches of high trees by days and at night prowling about and carrying off sheep of the farmers, which he devours ravenously in a raw state. We are unable to give further particulars of this most extraordinary report, but some of our correspondents may perhaps be able to throw some light upon the matter by communicating with us. Our informant states that the general belief of the people of this district is that the wild man, as the term, as they term him, affected his escape from a, na- a menagerie or exhibition of savage animals at Liverpool nearly a year since. But they do not attempt to account for the manner of his crossing the channel into this country or where he has been hiding till now. That's fr- that is uh, what well, was printed in the Freeman's Journal in Dublin. It comes from the Kilkenny moderator. I was going to say, I'm actually wow. I'm actually at the time of... Uh, recording this i'm i'm going to kilkenny tomorrow which is kind of funny oh. so i must i must check where ringwood is i'm staying there for the weekend so maybe i'll see yeah. a wild man but that's interesting i i always find that's those old stories yeah. fascinating and we'll probably work that into an episode because we kind of do an ongoing sasquatch series where we just you know because it's such a broad topic and you kind of have to just pick and choose little bits from it but yeah, Ringwood. Yeah, interesting, man. I, 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 and that, there's another one in Wicklow or something. I think there's been sightings as well, which is not too yeah, far yeah. from me and Emma. Yeah, there's, there's a there is a Sasquatch sort of group that tried to track him down in Ireland. Uh, but yeah, it, it's no, no, we're not, we're not, we don't have a whole lot of sightings or anything. But I will say this: I was in Kilkenny for a stag party. Uh, a number mm. of months ago and there was a few wild men on the go <laughs> it was, you know that the pubs were open it was you know covid was over Do you know i seen something recently that i didn't work into our original bigfoot episode we'll briefly touch on it but did you guys see the sketch that um patterson did before he did the bigfoot film mm. he did a sketch of the female bigfoot and almost it was turned the same way as the female Bigfoot was in his film. Yeah. And um, the thing that people say is, well, he was sketching it from a witness account. But I suppose it's another layer to the whole, is it real, isn't it real debate? Because it adds a, a layer of fishiness that I, I, at the time, we actually did a pretty deep, a pretty good deep dive into the Patterson Gilman. But I didn't um, know that going into it. And I think that changes my opinion quite heavily. I have um, come into some information recently that has made me more skeptical of mm. it. And uh, I, I'll, I'll share it with you off the air. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. yeah, I think I think as the, the layers of the onion get okay. peeled back, <laughs> I'm sort of starting to get a bit, yeah, a little bit, but Food for thoughts, guys. I think it's always important as well because we have these podcasts where we talk about this type of stuff. That it's it's important to you know talk about the the pitfalls of some of them too. You know because you can't. Sure. Just... And for me, it does nothing that like no, it, it does nothing to my belief. In no, big, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said for forever that you, there's something about these things that make them nearly impossible to film. So yeah. if that film mm. turns out to be 
you know, a hoax or or not what they said it was in some way, then it does nothing as to my opinion of it. It just kind of reinforces what I've been saying. Like, yeah, you can't can't film this stuff. Yeah, 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 yep, yeah, yep. for sure. We, we had people um people send us just video clips where they're trying to film something like, I don't know, a fox on like a motorway that's like and you know, it's a well-lit motorway, it's not too far away, maybe a hundred feet max. And they're on their camera, phone camera, which in modern standards are pretty good quality now. And you can't even really make that out clearly. So, mm. yeah, it's, it, it is fascinating. So we tackle this Carrick on shore, which Eamon? I guess we're going to have to. Will I, yeah. will I start the ball rolling? Yeah. Um, guest on the podcast, Tom O'Man, he's actually from up around that neck of the woods, I think. Yeah, so yeah. he might be able to, he might be able to tell us about a few witches in Carrick uh, on shore at some point. I can imagine. Yeah. Tipperary is where they eat their young. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we're looking at here. Um, okay. A witch in Carrick on shore. Carrick on shore, uh, by note, very popular for stag parties and hen parties. So mm, indeed, uh, is there a sense of, supernatural energy in the air <laughs> who knows hopefully hopefully all those marriages worked out um so the, the the tipperary free press records a most remarkable case of hallucination in the good old town of carrick on shore the actor being a grand old dame rejoicing in the name of miss mary Dohany. Mm-hmm. and her principal victims of delusion at present being none other than two members of HM Constabulary Force, as revealed in the Magisterial Inquiry. I should briefly interject here and say that the source that Tim had was a newspaper scan, and I was able to get a text from image type of thing where it pulled uh, all the text. Now, the so punct- there's a few bits and bobs. Yeah, the punct- I, I went over it as good as I can, but the punctuation is a bit tricky at times. And some of the wording, it's not that it's wrong, but it's just that from this time, the wording is kind of uh, mm. weird, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. That, it is from the Waterford News. Yeah, Water- oh, from Ireland. the Waterford News. In Waterford, okay, they okay. talk weird anyway. So, yeah, it's they kind do. of that. How are you, <laughs> 16th how are you getting of September, on 16th of September, 1864. Yeah, so it's kind of very, very old style language. Half, like a lot of my DNA comes from Waterford, so Mm. I should, I should be able to manage this. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, So Mrs. Dahani, for past years, lived in affluent circumstances by selling love potions to romantic and foolish girls. (laughs) While she occasionally netted respectable sums amongst farmers' wives with whom things were not going altogether smoothly, sub-constable Joseph Reeves has outlived the first buddings of youthful enthusiasm. <laughs> he, <laughs> sorry, this is a great line. Yeah. He, he is a married man of some five and 40 years of age, 45 we would say nowadays, <laughs> and the father of a family. Some time ago, his eldest daughter became ill and hearing of the curative powers of Mrs. Doheny, his wife engaged her services and the child improved somewhat. So, you know, what do you reckon an Irish love portion is? A few pints of Guinness? Mm, a bottle of Buckfast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bottle of Buckfast to get you in the mood. Do you ever had Buckfast, Tim? No, no, I don't even know. Yeah. Don't, ma- don't do it. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. It's made by monks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I think I think it was like originally made by monks. Now it's made like by lads in factories. Or was it druids? It was monks, was it? It was monks, or because it was back in the day when you couldn't drink water. You had to, water was so full of um, disease. It's that a tree. People had to drink. Yeah, effectively. <laughs> that, 
we we had to drink uh yeah e coli we had to drink alcohol but the monks used to make buckfast which they call the tonic mm. so basically if you have a shot of buckfast a day it's meant to be quite good for your uh, your body if you drink a bottle of buckfast before a night out it's not good for anything but <laughs> it, 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 it we used to me and rob's cousin and i think rob you were probably there a couple yeah, of times once or twice well. yep we used to go we there's there's trawlers where we live so we used to go out and sit on the trawlers and drink bottles of buckfast uh you know all our all our buddies when we were young and then after that we'd go out and we'd have a couple of pints and by the time we got to the pub buckfast is like it's like an alcoholic yop like an <laughs> alcoholic yogurt drink oh and really it's just, oh man it's 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 not Soup. good it's really bad <laughs> like it's but it 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 it, it kind of it messes you up more than a bottle of wine or something like that would for whatever's in it. But we used to do that regularly uh, mm. when we were kids. And yeah, so it, it's a, it's a fun night, but maybe at night where <laughs> questionable decisions might be made. Think, so is, yeah. it, is there Panic. dairy in it? Like is when you no. say like yogurt, is it there, like- there might be there, there's a thickness to it. I don't know if it's dairy, but it's, it's, it's much thicker than, than like a, uh, you know a, a high like a sherry for example it's way mm-hmm. thicker than a sherry yeah port vibes as well doesn't it it's a kind of mm. it's that kind of really it's like it's almost syrupy because it's that it was made by monks in Buckfast abbey yeah um so that's where it comes from that's and where it comes from yeah. order, you know what it is that's in it caffeine that's what it is so uh, it, it, it wires you it gives you a different buzz altogether like so you, you and alcohol yeah. it's like kind of a meme in like places like scotland that people that drink buck fast are just going to end up fighting you because they're so worked up on caffeine and, and alcohol <laughs> you know it's like a yeah but yeah it's it's an unusual drink for sure no that's, you wouldn't want to be drinking a lot of it very yeah, we, particular in in my alcoholic drinks i i like a good hard cider oh, okay yeah, right yeah. right I, not so much on beer. Occasionally, if it, if it, a good beer, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, usually not so much on that. Uh, wine, okay. I'm, you know, it d- depends on on what. But mm-hmm. uh, wine will give me headache sometimes. Same. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, too. It's sure. too acidic for me. It just burns a hole in my stomach if I try to drink it. I wanted to. So you know, fancy artists and stuff used to drink absinthe. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wanted to be like, oh, I'm gonna like the absinthe is gonna be like, I'm gonna drink absinthe. It'll be my thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. cool dude. Yeah. Gusting tasting. I'm, I'm just, mm. it nothing to do with absinthe. No, it's not. I, I'm a whiskey man. It's kind of a cliche, yeah. I suppose, being Irish, but whiskey is probably my fave. Um, I like a, I like a scotch as well. Um, but generally, you more like, into the you like the leathery taste of a scotch, do you? Yeah, see, yeah. the thing I discovered is my earlier experiences with scotch was just the crappy, cheap scotches, and they're very heavily peaty and kind of, mm. it, it, it's almost like perfumey. It's that overpowering. But yeah, yeah. if you get some of the nice distilleries in Scotland, because there's so many of them, um, there's some really nice ones. Like Cardew was really nice as one I like a lot. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think scotch is a good one. And, and I like a lot of the American bourbons. I'm a fan of uh, some yeah, of the American bourbons. bourbons were Even some of the splice tastes, the honey and the apple and mm. all that sort of stuff, I, I can get behind that. But I mean, mostly I will drink anything. <laughs> you don't discriminate at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an equal opportunities alcohol employer. I'm all good. Yeah, when yeah. when I was learning banjo, I was going all over like West Virginia and, and stuff and mm. going to these events where, you know, these people would gather and stuff. And I was at one of these events and somebody broke out jugs of moonshine. Oh, and, and I had heard, you know, horrible things about it. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if it was this particular moonshine or if this is all moonshine in general. It, it was some of the best tasting whiskey I'd ever had love, in my life. Lovely, like, amazing, imagine, yeah. just lovely, just absolutely it's very smooth. I could have, yeah I, yeah, I see why people go blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a Irish Pochine, which is moonshine basically. It's it's it's, it's called Pochiner, and I was drinking that um, at a. Uh, my girlfriend's parents party or something and, and the dad brought out he busted out some and it was made like in a bath type of stuff but it was absolutely lovely and I just sipped on it like I had had a few drinks and so for the rest of the night I kind of just sipped on it you know just just to mm. tip over and, and it was a good it was a good drink I really enjoyed it speaking of making things in a bath we'll get back to the story eventually <laughs> <laughs> this is monstrous as well so the digressions are part of us I'm Neil Digress Tyson <laughs> There's the, the 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 local sort of you know resort area down on the eastern shore of Maryland, in the Ocean City, and uh, I I would spend long periods of time there. And my my sister lived there for a while. I lived there basically for a summer, even though I didn't have a home. I just bounced from place to place, and mm-hmm. um, my f- different friends lived there for a while. I was there at one point, and uh, this guy just random people just because it's a like a resort area. You know, you, you have a party, and just random people are just going to roll in. Mm-hmm. And the, this guy comes and he's he's trying to sell me acid and oh, i was yeah. like i either didn't have money there's something about this guy that was just like eh, i don't know if i want to buy acid off this guy no yeah. and and he all night he keeps coming to me he's like you know like come on like five dollars a tab and i'm like nah, i'm not <laughs> like whatever you know just i'm not interested again so at the end of the night he he ends up giving me like three sheets <laughs> three sheets, of his three sheets. Like, Good yeah, Lord. Just, and and he's like He's like, uh, yeah, I, I've got a ton of it because my brother makes it in his bathtub. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Okay. He's like, the thing is, you're supposed to use grain alcohol, but we couldn't get grain alcohol, so we used rubbing alcohol in oh, the process. No. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't know about this. I, I never uh, – I think I ended up re-gifting the, the – <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that was a good That call. was a wise choice. Yeah. <laughs> So we're back to uh, Sub Constable Reeves and then the, the Miss Dahani here and, and he was wanting to get into the curative powers and all that type of stuff. So hence, henceforward, Miss Dahani became a frequent guest at the tea table of the constable. And after a time, she predicted that ere long, he would be in affluent circumstances inasmuch as some of his relatives and connections who had been dead for years had come to life. And would soon be permitted to show themselves upon the earth. Hmm. So she's promising the sun, moon and stars are really like. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was also led to believe that Sir James Power, who died some 10 years ago, took a deep interest in his well-being and purposed giving him some landed property. And the result was that a correspondence was carried on between them. And the constable received no less than 25 letters and a gold ring from the occupant of the grave. The missives in question being regularly forwarded to Miss Dahani, and the replies occasionally came through her and were sometimes found in an old moat on a hillside. Oh. So interesting stuff here with these little letters, right? Oh. She sort of just, I don't know, well, I don't know what's going on with her, but to attest her power still farther, she made an assignation with the constable to meet him in a certain field at a particular hour. And there she revealed to him the person of his father-in-law Mr. Mullins, standing at a few yards distance, dressed in a blue coat and brass buttons, and knee breeches. Do you still wear breeches, Em? Uh, yeah, but mine are fairly, 
Mine would be fairly stink. Stinky, stinky breeches. You got stinky breeches. Nice. So core stockings and shoes. He was not allowed to address the vision, which was beheld by his son, a boy about nine years of age at the same time. So she also showed him others of his friends and company who had died. Amongst others, his son, William, who had departed this life some five or six years ago. This the constable deposed to, on oath before the magistrates on Saturday. And as regarded her power in this respect, he was corroborated on oath by his wife. Mr. Hanna, who with Mr. Jepson and Wilson presided, asked him if he had been drinking at the time. Drinking <laughs> <laughs> that bath putching. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the man replied that he had not tasted spiritous liquors <laughs> for the past 21 years. This appears strange to be sure, but then there is further testimony. Sub-Constable Hayes is brought forward and he deposes on oath that the woman has brought up before him several of his friends and connections who had been dead for years. And in this statement, he also corroborated by his wife. So there's two people basically backing each other mm. up here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. It's kind of hard to decipher exactly what's going on. He said he hasn't drank in 21 years <laughs> and he's talking about ghosts and apparitions. Uh, but the people are saying this is strange to be sure. And in Ireland, that's like a man not to drink for 21 years. <laughs> yeah, that's stranger than the ghost. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for, sure. Uh, for weeks after, Mrs. Dohany is supplied with meal, potatoes, tea, etc., for the sustenance of the dead who have come to life. Mm. And on more than one occasion, some tobacco was sent to old Mullins, who it appears was in his lifetime a great smoker. Is this like when you leave the cookies out for Santa? I mean, the parents ate him. <laughs> this is to me, this it sounds like as a folklore guy, this is this is spirit gifting. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Totally. My my parents used to have a fight every Christmas uh, <laughs> about Santa Claus gifting. My dad would be like, Oh, Santa Claus would probably like four cans of Guinness. And my mom be like, my mom be like, No, the cookies and the carrots are fine. And he'd be like, No, I think Santa was against. And because we were kids, we wanted to please Santa. Like we'd be like, Yeah, let's give him the Guinness. So my my mother always it's yeah, wasn't until we were a bit old that we realized oh he's a he's a high functioning alcoholic (laughs) that's that's a different thing um so to meet these demands constable reeves got into debt but the promise of gold and landed property included him to resort to extensive credits to furnish supplies new potatoes were at one time returned to him with a request from the dead that they should be exchanged for old (laughs) and on one occasion some eggs were sent back with word that they had not agreed with the dead son william yeah that's interesting picky spirits yeah because new Mm. potatoes are like over here you know we know our potatoes you know we Um, do do. and new potatoes are quite desired um so (laughs) i think that was a piss take you know um because (laughs) because we we love our new potatoes as soon as they come into season hand back we actually have a we, we had the, the whole argument about chips versus fries but yeah. uh to keep with our vernacular we had we have a chipper over here and they have a poster in the window every time there's new potatoes yeah. and they're like now cutting new potatoes and we're like oh never mind that <laughs> never mind that curry i was gonna have it's time for new <laughs> potatoes um Mr. Hurd, sub-inspector, at length got word of what was going on and he determined to make inquiries in reference thereto. Weaves was removed to Clonmel in consequence of the debts he had contracted and learning the cause thereof, he proceeded to Miss Dohany's house where he found the letters from Sir James Power, 
which she had returned by Reeves when the thing got noised abroad. He also got three bottles containing tea, cream and milk made up in a clean white handkerchief, of which Mr. Donnie acknowledged were to have been forwarded to some of her defunct clients on the same evening. Hmm. That's, yeah, that's an interesting one, right? I know that tea back then in Ireland, uh, if you had tea, you were probably fairly affluent, I would say. Um, Mm. I do know even from anecdotes of my grandparents as well because they were around in say the 30s 40s it was very hard to get tea here then mm. you know so i, I think oh, if yeah. they had tea back in 1860 something they were a very well-off family you know yeah yeah well my i know my mother definitely in the 50s used to get like uh oranges for christmas and stuff like that because mm. getting fruit was was much more difficult yeah yeah like the the only released Bananas and oranges mm. in Ireland in the 50s. Yeah, banana <laughs> downloadable content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. So the house was otherwise comfortably furnished and the dame appeared to live well on the credulity, credulity of the people. Excuse me. She was, of course, arrested <laughs> and the present proceedings were instituted. It was a strange thing to witness in a public court of justice, a number of intelligent people apparently in their senses deposing to such things on oath in the presence of magistrates. Whatever spell she may have wrought, there is no question of doubt but that the policeman named and her family still place implicit faith in her, for when being removed to the dock, Reeves shook her by the hand and asserted such, and in reply to one of the magistrates, he said, Sir, it's you ha- if you had seen as much as I have, you would be mm. of the same opinion. Classic Reeves. <laughs> so that's fascinating. That is fascinating. Mm. To it be is, fair. yeah, it really is. Um, so after taking down in writing Reeves' evidence and he having signed the same, the magistrates were about to adjourn when Mr. Wilson, addressing Dahini, Dahani, said, have you anything to say now that you have heard this statement? The woman coolly replied, he wanted to see his dead relatives and, dead or alive or on horseback, I showed them to him. Mr. Hard had the woman's husband, a blind man, arrested on Friday evening. He travels through the country led by a dark guide. And on being questioned, he acknowledged that his worst day's receipts for some time past were two shillings and some other currency that I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad that was, I saw that. I was like, I had no clue what that is. Yeah. It's a shillings anyway, for sure. I don't uh, know. The sh- second, shillings but... and nine pence. Is it? Yeah. Like it doesn't the D, not... Was that P back in the, back in the olden days? My gra- it doesn't hurt thing about my grandparents. They're still talking like shillings sometimes. I'm like, Grant, <laughs> I don't know what a shilling is like. They're like, Oh, there was five shillings and six pence. And I'm like, what does that mean? Is that 5,000 euro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious as to uh, this dark guide. The dark mm, guide. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. Like once we, once we finish up this story here, Myself and Eamon will, um, we might be able to give you some Irishisms as to what that might mean. Okay. Um, Reminded me a little bit of the Appalachian shadow people that people said they saw on the pilgrimage. You're going way more abstract. I'm going, than I'm I am. going way more. Going, <laughs> that's what because, I like to do. Yeah, you're going way more abstract. You're talking than what about I absinthe. I'm Van Gogh. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, why occasionally, sorry, while occasionally they realize six or seven shillings in a day. So they were making good money, apparently. I must ask me, Gran, how much that is. She may, might mm. be able to tell us. We learned that some time ago, the female prisoner gave a neighboring woman an awful beating. Oh, Lord. 
And yet nobody could be got to prosecute her, fearing that she might bewitch them or their children. The prisoner is apparently about 40 years of age with a good looking face, like you, Eamon, actually. Yeah, about 40 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't so much pass the good looking face part, but the about 40 years of age is probably, probably on point. Yeah. Though some will pass and the mouth particularly expressive of cunning and intelligence. On September 8th, the prisoner who brought before Mr. L.H. Jefferson, J.P. and Mr. Hannah or M. at the petty sessions at Carrick on Shore and on a rehearing of the entire of the case. So they used to say the entire rather than the entirety. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. She was committed for trial at the next quarter sessions at Clonmel for obtaining clothing and food under false no. pretenses. Can't be trusted. Right. So first question is to Tim. You're the outsider here, Tim. What do you think about from reading this story? Well, I see I have the advantage of having read the follow-up too. Ah, see, see, I haven't read the follow-up either. Yeah. Um, you know, the, like I said, when when you when I see things like uh, spirit gifting that, that just kind of fr- falls right in with folklore, part mm. of me thinks like, well, there is something going on here, right? There is something yeah. going on here. So in the in the follow up, uh, it, it talks about her trial, and apparently her blind husband was dressing up as these people. <laughs> oh, right, nice. Which would explain why no one was allowed to address their dead relatives, right? Yes, yes, uh, yes. But you know, is there a both end thing going on here? I mean, you know, certainly, uh, I think we tend to look back and and think of you know our ancestors in the eighteen hundreds or whenever it is mm. as being simple. You know, and and like stupid, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in a sense, and they, like they they were easily fooled. Yeah, and I I don't think that was as much the case as we think of now. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, a good example to argue against what I just said is the Cottingley Fairy photos. If you're familiar with those, oh yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 they're silly. And you look at yeah. them, and any any modern person looks at them and goes, they're paper cutouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the time, photography was so new, and what photography showed people was was real life right it showed mm-hmm. you could take pictures of things and, and capture it so i think part of that was the dawn of photography you know when people were used to seeing you know you could take a picture of, of whoever you know a portrait and that was them you know mm-hmm. that's that's how they looked because photography that's what it does mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. think that played into part of the thing with the cottingly fairy i don't think it was like so much that people were more gullible back then i think photography was new and everything yeah. that they were being shown was was you know real real stuff so yeah, um, yeah. but you know that said there is an element of maybe maybe being a little more gullible as as far as uh you know special effects mm. and and so forth so i know i know one of the first um it was a really, 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 really early silent movie, but they had a part where someone got their head cut off by an axe or whatever. And obviously they did like a switch camera. So they have the person, the actual actor lying there and the, the, the executioner is throwing down the axe. And then they, they, they um, stopped the camera, obviously, and then put in like a dummy where he cut the head off the axe but it, or cut the head off the, the, the victim rather. But it was the first time that that had ever been shown and people in the audience believed that someone was so committed to cinema that they were willing to give their lives for, for this perfect scene that had never yeah. been seen before, you know? 
There were stories of uh, early silent movies of, of trains where they would film the train coming right at the camera and, mm. and people in, in the theater, like diving out of their seats. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for us, you know, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, okay, so there's another, another layer to it. Um, it kind of sounds like she's acting like a bit of a medium, maybe a clairvoyant as well. She's mm-hmm. kind of doing that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where you lie on it, Tim. Personally, I, like, I, I'm so conflicted on, on medium stuff because sometimes I hear things and I'm like, you know what? It would be very hard to cold read that information. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's sometimes that people say stuff to me about it. I've even heard tapes myself that were pretty pretty good but then sometimes you know you see these we, what's that documentary Emma that we've seen um, oh with Timmy and it's uh, yeah, the near death experience one yeah yeah. yeah. There's a, have you seen this Tim on Netflix it's a near death experience documentary I'm not sure it's the first episode is really compelling it's a bit like what kind of happens when you die and, and mm. it's basically people talking about their experiences as they died like you know like they, they, they were brought back to life but the they tell their their stories what happened to them and it's quite interesting but episode two goes down the sort of clairvoyant path um and this particular place that they were shot because I, I was going into episode two and i was like Okay, episode one was great. Let's, you know, mm. let's see, like, let's really get to the, the meat and potatoes of this whole thing here. And the clairvoyance in it were just really hacky and bad. Yeah. And yeah. it, it kind of it ruined it because I've heard stuff that is way more compelling than what they were doing in the show, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and this sounds like that. that. This does sound like it could have been compelling, but... With the evidence that you have there in the second article, it kind of you're, you're like, was it was it a bit of that kind of misleading, preying on families that had more money than sense and trying to just get because you know they were trying to get like tobacco and stuff as well, weren't they? It was one of the things yeah, that they requested, yeah. which that would have been a super exotic thing back then because tobacco was that new world thing. So I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I have to imagine in in Ireland at the time, getting tobacco would have been very difficult. So with mm. with any kind of supernatural pursuit, paranormal pursuit where you have to produce results yeah eventually and this is my opinion eventually you will come to hoaxing yeah, yeah. true true yeah. Yeah. I, I agree point. with that entirely because yeah. uh it's happened in some of the famous poltergeist cases mm-hmm. where where yeah. people where there's apparently something real going on and then later on that people started faking it mm you know, when these researchers would come in or, or, you know, a reporter or something would come in and they'd want to, to have these things happen while people were there. So they started faking it happens with a uh, Bigfoot people too. Yeah. They'll produce some really good evidence and then they have the pressure to keep producing. And that's when they start hoaxing. Yeah. Yeah. So my gut says that even if there was something real going, ho- going on in the beginning with this, you know, she's literally has the, the pressure to keep producing results. And the same thing with these modern meetings, maybe mm-hmm. sometimes they're getting genuine information, but they are pressured to have constant results, True. constant yeah. results. And eventually they figure out ways to fake it. And they may, they may be hoaxing themselves. You know, I, I've, I've always said, it's, it's pretty easy to, to do those readings on people. You know, when, when you could tell somebody, Oh, 
you're you're a, a creative person and then everyone wants to be a creative person so, mm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're a leader you're a leader yeah. people look up to you oh yeah yeah that's <laughs> you really know me you know yeah, yeah. You tell people what they want to hear and, and uh, they'll think you're a genius mm. but uh, yeah so i but i think there's you know maybe there's a spark of the genuine thing but then again there's this pressure to produce which leads to hoaxing yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I i totally agree with that as well it's <clears throat> it brings to mind a small bit about um Jesus, this is going a bit way off, but it's the first thing that came to mind is that idea of the quantum and that the possibilities are everywhere until you look at them and then they solidify, if that mm. makes sense. So like, yeah, yeah. So it, it exists that, that there's like a cloud of quantum, if you like. And then as soon as it's, it's uh, measured, it chooses a destination. It chooses a spot that we can kind of observe. And I, I think maybe to your point Tim for sure that it's almost similar in terms of this this uh high strangeness stuff is that when someone's not actually trying to get something out of it it presents itself it's when you try to find it it starts to become elusive so I I can totally understand why people who themselves know that something strange is happening here will you know ultimately sort of fabricate something because there's nothing really wrong with fabricating something when you know you've experienced something real. Yeah, I suppose. Right. In their mind, anyway. Yeah, in the, yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah and, as long, and as long as you're not, you know, if you're doing it and no one's getting harmed, then maybe if you're doing it and there's no money passing hands, it's kind well, you, of See, different. if you're if you're if you're not starting as a charlatan, you know what I yeah. mean? Like like if you're taking yeah. money off, you're lying to take money. That's a different thing. But if you're if you're hoaxing someone trying to study something. Like I can understand that if you've experienced something that's real and you're like, this is real. I just need you to believe because I, I know I've experienced. Yeah. This, you know, I can, yeah. I can get that. Cause there's, I, I definitely think there's people that are sensitive to like their mm. senses are attuned to stuff that other people aren't um, yeah. and they can sense things. And even, even just on simple things like emotion, like there's people that are very good at sensing people's emotion and reading people and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of, getting that invisible layer between two people and sort of really able to take it on yeah. um but yeah yeah no i think it's 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 a weird one sometimes when you see people that are grieving going to mediums i kind of that's when i kind of feel it, it can be yeah. a little bit sketchy you know um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure because you're it's, like well, yeah, what's up with that yeah so what's the um what's the read on this dark guide that was leaving mm. her blind husband around yeah that's see so so i'm not sure what the attitude was at the time but i do know that people that traveled the country in ireland at the time would have been uh, our ethnic minority which is travelers um so <laughs> i wonder if perhaps and i do think as well back then a lot of travelers would have been into the clairvoyant and, and medium type of stuff um so I- i'm wondering is that kind of it but then i don't know how common or uncommon they were then like i don't know if if they would have been uncommon enough to to put in quotations as a dark guide so, so uh, travelers can be but aren't necessarily romany is that uh, they're actually no, not at all they're irish be, yeah. they're, they, they're, they look they look a lot like me to be fair it's yeah i think i think if you go back a couple of generations i've got some blood in me yeah yeah it's right it's uh, irish travelers irish gypsies are, are separate um so if yeah. you uh, the most famous irish gypsy right now is um tyson fury you know um mm. he's he's 
he would be Irish gypsy blood that lives in England. He's in, uh, he's be born and reared in England. Like, um, but they're their own, they're separate to Romany. You know, okay, those yeah. guys are, those guys are, I think even genetically separate. I don't think they, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure whether they all identify as the same group or whether they identify mm. each other as different. I'm not actually no, quite sure. I don't think so. I think the Irish ones, the, the original term we would say is they were tinkers, which yeah. is like, I think it's uh, nowadays not, not the right thing to say but the the reason for it was that they would they would collect and fashion things out of tin and then mm. sell them on so that's where the, the the name came from i i i could be totally wrong but mm. i don't think that something from clonmel uh in the 19th century would talk about because travelers would have been a much more that would have been way more prevalent back then than it is now i don't think they would have, they would have called them dark guides i i yeah. think um I think that Dark Guide has a has a for me at least because there's not a lot to go on here, but for me it's got a it's got the 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 the, the supernatural. There's something going right. on there, you know. For me, for sure, like because I've never heard that in Irish culture either. Like a Dark Guide, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. And that's the only reason I thought that it might be travelers was because it's it goes out of its way to specify something yeah, different. Yeah. And so like, I was yeah, like, well, yeah. you know, and it, I suppose it depends who writes this article as well. Like, cause at the time it could have been an English paper. Yeah. So it could have been actually an English publication, which mm. the wording at that time towards Irish people would have been very different as well. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. and, and well, travelers maybe in, even in a derogatory way, could have been called a dark in quotations guide. I think, you know? I think many more Irish people sort of would have been what we would call travelers nowadays back then, if that makes sense, because the, the, the I don't know how much different differentiation there was between you know, it's not like people were going around putting mortgages down on houses really easy back then. Do you know what I mean? This is like the time of the tenement house. But they were the rag and bone men as well at the time. Yeah, that's what they were that's, called. That's true as well. Uh, yeah, and and as well. to be fair, it could have been a rag and bone man actually. And those guys were still going into the thirties and forties. Like um mm. again, to go back to my grandparents because they were alive at that time. But my granny often remembers a rag and bone man used to call it. She lived in uh she grew up in rural Meath, I think, in Ireland, and the the rag and bone man had show up. And like you trade like a fucking chicken for like um you know a few pints of milk or something like that, that mm. kind of thing. Um so a rag and bone man, even them themselves had a kind of a dark sense to them because there were these mysterious traveler people who I don't think they were traveler um like Irish travelers. I think they were separate again. But I'm wondering, is even one of them a type of a dark guide, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, yeah, it's I mean it's so because it's you're really just going off the words dark yeah. guide. It's it's yeah. so hard to know. For me, for me, I my feeling is that there's something especially you know he travels through the country led by a dark guide, he's blind. Maybe that it's that's what it is. Maybe it's actually just a dark guide is someone who guided the blind. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like a I'm yeah, really that could be a sure, like literally I, someone yeah, that lights you through the dark guide. or or, mm. or brings guides you through your darkness but, yeah. I, but I mean in in the context of this story which is so steeped in mm-hmm. supernatural kind of elements I don't know you kind of think is the dark guide something a bit more ethereal so uh, like can he is he doing is he is the dark guide not even a person or a thing but he can somehow see although he's blind I, I mean it's really hard to tell but but uh it, it's certainly an interesting it's an interesting read yeah and aside one of my gateways into folk music was an album I picked up 
based on the cover called Songs of the Traveling People. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. yeah. And who, who, who was that from? Like, was the artist? It was, it was just various artists. It was field recordings. Mm. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Right. It was a very, very raw kind of stuff. Like, cool, cool. So, class. so yeah, we're untitled on the on the Tipperary witch. Um, we'll have to mm. we'll have to consult Tom I, I do know that my my grandmother was from Clonmel. Yeah. Uh, but and I asked her. I remember I used to I spend a lot of time with her when I was a kid. Uh, after my granddad died, I used to stay down there a lot. And I remember asking her when I was like, "Nanny, when you die, will you come back and tell me what's going on after we die?" And she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. Just eat your sweets and go to bed." Um, but she never did. So. You know, so I don't know how how supernatural Clan Mel is for sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, so, what have you got for us there, Tim? I'm I'm very intrigued at the mystery. Mm, me too. So I, I found a Pennsylvania witch story. Oh, very good. Ooh, wow. awesome. From the Harrisburg Telegraph, February fourth, nineteen twenty-two. Nice. Let me uh, get it to the size I can read it here. I'm yeah. reading off the screen. Mm. This hard-headed community, now this is the Pennsylvania Dutch, so (laughs) that that is an accurate (laughs) assessment. This hard-headed community is about the last place anyone would think of as even giving any thought to such a thing as witchcraft. And yet, the other day, a friend, while looking up folklore of the lower Susquehanna, that's the Susquehanna River, would be the area in which I live, came across this article signed by WFR and written many years ago, which tells of what sounds like a remarkable story to us in this practical generation. And yet there are in Dauphin County barns which have certain peculiar markings and even even crudely worded incantations to keep away the hex as the height of witchcraft is called. It seems hardly credible nowadays. And yet not long ago, when I asked a farmer why he did not cross off some marks, he laughed and said they had always had them. All this only goes to show how witchcraft beliefs of the old days led to popular superstitions and even firm convictions in our today. While we did not burn witches in this part of Pennsylvania, yet some folks have peculiar and deep-rooted beliefs, as the following article will show. It is copied just as it appeared in an old publication. And then this is the, the article they were speaking. Since the introduction of free schools, witches and all kindred workers in the black art have become scarce, and few people acknowledge a belief in them. Three quarters of a century ago, the case was different. Every neighborhood had its witches and witch stories, supported by evidence that could not be gainsaid. In these respects, old Paxtang Valley was fully abreast of its neighbors. As an instance, we will give one of the best authenticated, but by no means the most marvelous of the innumerable stories told and believed at the firesides of our ancestors. More than a hundred years ago, John Wilson and his wife, Jean, owned and were living upon a farm near the present Rutherford station. Mr. Wilson was a prominent man in the valley and one whose truthfulness was unquestioned. He was also somewhat skeptical in his views of witchcraft. He loved a good horse and always kept a fine team. On one occasion, several of his horses refused to work and acted in a very strange and unaccountable manner. This, as an aside, would be very offensive to Pennsylvania Dutch. If if anything refuses to work, there's something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Work work is held above uh, all things for these people. Within the next fortnight, these horses, one after another, died without any apparent cause. The neighbors attributed it to witchcraft, and Mr. Wilson reluctantly came to the same conclusion. But as he had hitherto been a doubter and did not wish to avow his conversion until he had put the matter to the proof, 
he resolved to privately work a spell, which it was popularly believed would bring the witch to light. This spell consisted in certain incantations together with the consuming of vitals of the victim with fire. This was supposed to torture the corresponding vitals of the witch that she would come speedily and beg for mercy. Accordingly, when the last horse died, Mr. Wilson, after removing the skin and hanging it in the loft of an old building below the house to dry, conveyed the carcass to a retired spot in the woods, kindled a fire, and with the proper ceremonies, laid the requisite parts of the animal upon it and awaited results. Whilst John was thus employed, Jean, who was in absolute ignorance of his whereabouts, was somewhat startled by the rapid approach from the ravine west of the house of a man and two women with their tongues hanging out and panting like dogs. The strangers rushed into the house and called for water. Jean pointed to a large bucket full upon the table and told them to help themselves. They drank greedily all that was in the bucket, then hurried to the door and stood for a moment, sniffing the air as if searching for a scent, then ran down to the old building below the house, climbed up to the loft and began licking the blood from the flesh side of the hide. Ooh, vampires. I like it. That's what it sounds like. Mm, Yeah. After having been some time thus engaged, they seemed satisfied came down and disappeared up the ravine from whence they had come. Mr. Wilson's fire, after burning brightly for a time, died out, and no witch appearing, he soon came after to the house, disgusted with his ill success and more skeptical than before. But upon hearing Jean's account of what had taken place in his absence, he perceived that his overthoughtfulness had caused his failure. If, when a spell of this kind is worked, the witch can obtain some of the blood of the victim and drink it, The fire within is quenched and the spell broken. Blood enough for this purpose can be obtained from the skin of an animal that has not previously bled. And if Mr. Wilson had placed the hide beyond the reach of the witches, he would have had them in his power. This story was told by Mr. Wilson himself, and none ever doubted his word. Later generations, unable to discredit Mr. Wilson, has endeavored to explain by asserting that Jean was mistaken as to the actions of the man and two women who came into their kitchen. This explanation is a very ungallant one but is also very old and a very common way of accounting for most of the errors of mankind. Hmm. Wow. So it sounds like kind of like vampires, maybe werewolves or something, maybe. I mean, kind of, there, there are a lot of, so we have these local, uh, they call them hex books or um, so it's folk magic. And right. there isn't a lot of, of witchcraft in them. It's, it's like sort of like faith healing more, okay. than, yeah, yeah. more than that. Uh, the most famous one is called the long lost friend. And uh, it's, it's a lot of prayers and faith healing. You know, have stuff like you know, if if you uh, have rheumatism, you know, do this, you mm-hmm. know, and and it'll give you a little charm to say it's just, and and so forth. But in in these books are often ways to discover witches. So they the, these charms to to uh, bring witches out, you know, are in the culture, are are in the you know the Pennsylvania Dutch culture, and they're they're in these books. So you will find, you know, with not only how to, um, you know, cure warts or whatever, you know, whatever these different charms, all the, you know, on the same page, the next charm will be like how to discover a witch. And this, this will turn whatever, you know, whatever hex the witch has put on you will turn it against them. Or you will, you will know the witch because they will show up at your house the next day and like Mm. begging for water or something like this. So, so that, that is, that part of the story is consistent with, you know, these, what we find in these local, you know, as I said, called them so-called hex books hmm. uh, so yeah i don't know it's, it's very very strange it's, it's a very a very weird one, yeah. 
weird story of them coming in and licking the blood from the from the horse hide though yeah because i was kind of actually half expecting it to take like a rabies turn and like you know they were super thirsty and i was kind of as the story went on i was like are they like rabid from rabies and and are they going to because i was expecting like a a turn where they might you know vomit up the water after they've drank it kind of thing um but you know when you take all the rest of the story the rabies doesn't really make sense you know yeah yeah um is it that's i i think all that magic stuff man is very interesting isn't it really like Mm, it's 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 a strange one though it's like just even that that image of the two people arriving panting their tongues Mm. sort of hanging outside of their mouths and then licking the blood it's I mean, it does. It does bring to mind an element of uh, of midnight mass, as we kind of touched on earlier. You know, yeah, for sure. Very disturbing. Yeah, yeah Rob, I, I'd be interested if you could ask your grandparents. Yeah. Did they have? I mean, maybe you know. Yeah. Do you have like a, a similar sort of uh, folk magic, faith healing tradition there? Uh, I, like I think, yeah, I think it was more common in rural Ireland. And been yeah, yeah yeah and i think yeah my, my granny is very superstitious even still like yeah like she would definitely entertain a lot more stuff i think recently she said like i can't remember actually what happened but she used to always get like a sty on her eye oh, yeah, and like yeah. some woman showed up to the house and she was like oh i like to see it's i can't remember most of it's on butchering it but essentially i think she brought some item of my granny's like some like like cotton or something or whatever and and tied it to some tree or did something weird with it and brought it back to my granny and you know said oh is this and that's been done to it and my granny says it worked and it removed her sty i must actually ask her what happened so i'm not butchering that story but she she often says it she said oh that's how i like and she said matter of fact she's like that's how i cured my sties was <laughs> this woman showed up at the house and said oh i know what will cure them and goes off and finds like does some type of uh ritual with the item gives it back to my granny my granny puts it on her eye overnight or something mm-hmm. uh, or like ties it to her eye overnight or something and she doesn't get styes anymore or at least that's what she says there is very very good evidence for folk magic and mm-hmm. hypnotism curing warts they're extremely yeah. effective they've they've done studies on it they, they don't know the mechanism uh in in appalachia um the, the so-called grannies the, these you know mm. women that, that do this folk magic will buy warts from people they will right. like they'll, they'll give a kid a couple you know quarters or something <laughs> yeah here i'm gonna buy that wart off you and it works really kids, wow. the warts go away and That's, but yeah. the, hypnotism works very well for warts as well so i'm, I'm imagining it's a similar process you know between yeah. the mm. happening yeah, and as well there's the yeah. psyche and the power of the mind as well plays into it, which is another totally untapped, perhaps almost paranormal type of thing where we don't really, we haven't, there's par- parts of our mind that we probably haven't even tapped into properly and harness yet because even placebo is so, such a powerful thing, you know? Um, well, so it's one very of the interesting. about placebo that's even more interesting is most of the times people talk about placebo, they talk about sort of, um, more mood-based illnesses you know like yeah. you're feeling depressed your exercise is as good as antidepressant which mm. is as good as a placebo you know sugar yeah. pill but there are studies out there that show people who actually get placebo surgery and i don't know enough about this um 
it's in a book called you are the placebo but it's basically let's say you get knee surgery but they don't actually do anything yeah but your knee somehow (laughs) manages to work again because you believe that a surgery has taken place basically wow and it's working now again i'd i'd need to I kind of want to almost reference check myself yeah. there. I know I've I know I've definitely read about physical placebo, if you like, something that's on the body rather than the mind, um, and it working. And I'm pretty sure it's in that book. You are the placebo. I've heard of it though. I've seen mm. a thing, Emin, where it was on, and I think this might have been more in the sort of charlatany sort of hoaxy type of thing. But I think there was a guy, maybe he got in trouble for it, but he was doing that kind of thing where he was doing faith like like or like mm. like surgeries where he was saying oh i'm going to go into you with my hand and i'm going to remove whatever illness there is i want to say that that was some someone high profile i wish i could really come to my my brain right now but mm. it is so it is a done thing even without sort of a medical side of it where maybe you might go into a hospital mm. and pretend you had surgery but there are well, people yeah. that say that they I- do it I think these were these were legitimate like studies yeah. that were carried out as far as I'm aware. Again, I just don't have the book in front of me to actually reference yeah. it. Yeah. But um uh yeah, I gave it a lend to one of my mates. But even if I did, it's massive, so I probably wouldn't be able to find it. But it is it, you know, it's very because obviously your mood is quite or at least we know it's very much affected by the environment, by what's going on around us, by the people we have around us. And I think the body is probably quite similar. It's just we 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 aren't as aware of it, if that makes sense. So I, I do believe I would tend to believe even as you were talking there, um, Tim, about the, the, these uh, the, the hex books there's there's many books out there that talk about like if you have a certain pain in a certain part of your body it's it's a physical manifestation of some sort of not necessarily a mental illness but maybe um a mental characteristic let's say so if you don't feel you can speak up you might find yourself getting sore throats a lot and Mm. things like that you know which i think are very interesting a lot of psychologists would, would argue that much of the stuff that that comes in the physical body is from the subconscious kind of finding its way to the surface you know? i believe it like like i we've talked about on the podcast before but my like i i i would class myself as having like a sort of middle tier anxiety that happens mm. a lot and for me it's a lot of health anxiety even yeah, though i'm yeah, yeah. i'm a healthy person um but i've had instances in my life before where i thought i was a lot sicker than i was mm. and in hindsight it turned out to be anxiety and, yeah. and but your, and your body feels yeah my body, body felt feels that. my yeah, body yeah. literally felt it like physically felt it to the point yeah. of where you know the only reason i noticed that it was something that was more in my head was because there was like drastic changes in how i would feel based on where i was like i had a mm. really bad panic attack and i ended up in the hospital because it was the first time i ever had one didn't know what the fuck was going on and after having that as soon as i got there i felt fine mm. and i was like oh hang on like that was the first time i was What's like going on here? hang yeah, on yeah, here yeah. now a second what is happening here and then <laughs> i noticed that like over time as i'll even like say with a doctor's visit sometimes and i'm like oh wait, i'm just talking myself into this doctor's visit mm. at the minute i'm not actually i think i'm fine as soon as i walk into the room i feel better almost so 
I can I feel it in a sort of a reverse sense. I think mm. you know it's be, yeah because you're getting reassurance because yeah. when you go to the hospital or you go to the doctor and they tell you oh there's nothing wrong with you you're like and yeah. you get you get the re- <laughs> yeah totally it's it's totally like anxiety sort of you know um what would you say anxiety the sequel but you uh <laughs> you'll you'll get a reprieve from that for a for a certain amount of time because like oh the doctor said I'm fine twelve hours past and they're like yeah but what if the doctor did? <laughs> <laughs> the, and it, it doesn't and it, what you if know, he just, knows I'm anxious and he's just saying exactly so yeah the, it's the thing, thing about placebos though I, I and i think when we talk about this stuff is um i think people because we're we're you know generally as a society we consider ourselves you know modern and 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 science-based mm. and so forth and and people think of placebos as, as a negative thing but i would say if that cotton cured your grandmother's sty yeah. that's a great thing yeah, absolutely. No matter how it yeah. happened, I'll, if- I'll I'll get the details. I'll send them to you, and then you can do a follow up on a strange familiars, mm-hmm. a little brief thing about what it actually was. So I'm because I'm yeah. sure people listening are curious about yeah. the actual process. It, it, it is, um, yeah, absolutely. I know your dad. The first time I ever got a study in my eye, your dad made a remedy for me, Rob. Oh, did he? Yeah, we were, yeah he made like it was like a tea bag wrapped in some oh, stuff. Nice. I mean, it didn't work, but like he made it for me. You know, it was a nice thing to do. A for but, effort. Uh, a for effort. No, I, I jest, I jest. Um, but uh, it's it's funny, yeah, talking about the superstitious of sort of older Irish women there. This is ringing up because it's it's based in Clonmel, where where my grandmother was from. She she wouldn't have been overtly superstitious in terms of talking about it the whole time. But a lot of those older Irish women would have been a very religious. And then B, there was a lot of stuff about, you know, the pukas, the Irish ghosts, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So they, they were they were they were kind of like half pagan and, and super Catholic. You know, mm. they were kind of blended into one. But I do remember something from my grandmother when she was quite old, kind of coming to the end of her life when she was in the hospital. She used to talk about my or so she used to talk about her brother. I, I believe his name was, was a Nero Nero or something like that. I, I just can't remember off the top of my head, but he had died very, very young of tuberculosis. And when my father would come to visit her uh, into the hospital, she would talk about how her brother was there and was kind of beckoning, beckoning her to come, you know, to the next, the next level, the next stage with her. Um, and it was a recurrent thing and it wasn't sort of doting or dreams or anything. She just had this recurrent thing of the, her, her younger brother who was still the same age as he would have been when he would have passed away. And they had to keep him down in a shed at the back of the house. Cause it was such a, um, a contagious disease back in those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, she would talk about this and in a very kind of an open kind of, Oh yeah, my, my younger brother showed up today. So I think I'm probably, probably not going to be here long. So she'd be talking about like, all right, so you can take this, you'll get that. There's some money in a pot back here. You know, she's very pragmatic about it. Um, but certainly, yeah, it didn't seem strange to her at all, you know? And I think that speaks to the superstitious, uh, the inherent superstitious kind of nature of, of a lot of Irish women that were around that age. Half pagan and super Catholic. I, 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 I think I want to marry this person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just lots of men in Ireland are still there for sure. Like, yeah, it's that was that was the only way that they got in. They wound up getting Catholicism to take over here. Yeah, because they were our our sort of older, you know, ancestors. They they wouldn't. They were like, no, 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 no. You need to. We need a Christmas tree. We need Spelling. Yeah. We need all this stuff. Um, but yeah, so we have a lot of sort of pagan stuff mixed in with our catholicism mm-hmm. 
um, maybe not in you know the, the sort of biblical text or anything like no. that, but certainly right, right. there's an, there's an Irish sentiment um, of the ghouls and the god, if you like. Mm-hmm. Cool rabies story. Since since Rob brought up rabies again, mm-hmm. there is a I love cemetery. rabies. Then <laughs> I'm a rabies enthusiast. <laughs> There's a cemetery across the, the Susquehanna River, the Great Susquehanna, uh, in a town called Columbia, which is uh, one of my favorite local towns. And in this cemetery is a very old gravestone. And the gravestone shows a dog biting a hand with uh, mm. like blood coming out of his hand carved. It's just a, a, from like field stone, just a rock. And somebody like etched this in with a chisel or something. And the story goes is the, the guy um, who was buried there, he got bit by either a rabid dog or a wolf. This would have been back when there were still wolves in the area. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure which. I'll have to look up the story again. But uh, he he knew he had rabies. He knew he was going to die, and he carved his own tombstone. Oh, Lord. Yeah. That's oh, fairly God. dark. I mean, yeah. rabies, you know, I really sort of learned about it recently. I, I sort of re-dived into rabies facts. And... Um, what a horrible way to die. I mean, oh, I, I don't think people really realize how no, it's, it's serious rabies it's is if you catch it. It's, if you have symptoms, it's too late. You're dead. Oh, yeah. 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 That's it. Game over. And you don't and, even know if you get it because most of the rabies, things that carry rabies, like really small bats and stuff, if they bite you, say you're asleep in a hammock or you're like you're out, you're out camping or something and, you know, something at night, like the chances of a rabies bat kind of falling on you and acting crazy is a lot higher than a regular bat because bats will obviously mm. try and avoid you. But they've right. got their teeth are so small that you don't. Sometimes you won't even know you've been bitten, yeah. and then you might get symptoms yeah. for a year later, and then it's too late. You're done. Game oh, yeah, over. It's too late, yeah, yeah. It's it's a death sentence. And I mean, before there was a vaccine, this would have been this gravestone from the 1700s, I think. Mm. So, oh, wow. you know, no vaccine then. He knew he was going to die. That's the, the tragic thing. And, and he, yeah. he carved his own tombstones. There's you know. a, a big part of the vampire lore is tied in with rabies. Mm-hmm. I was reading about this recently about... Um, blood thirst. And... It's, yeah, blood that people have that like a huge savage hunger for meat when they have rabies. There, there's that recessed gums that bring, you know, the fang sort of imagery. Insatiable um, thirst as well. Like they're just Insatiable like... thirst. But then your the water makes you sick yeah. after a while. Yeah, that's it? right. Yeah. Uh, and apparently they said that more men used to get rabies. I guess they're probably out in the land more, which, yeah, yeah. which would stand to reason. Um, but it, it's, it's, it makes you kind of... Um, it's like I don't know, Seal- diet Cialis or whatever. It 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 uh, it makes it made him quite aroused, and that's where they said the Lothario levacious kind of idea of the vampire, because vampires are always ah. sexy and stuff like that. Yeah, they're sexy. I reckon yeah, that's, that's, that's where it might have come from. Uh, so it's a really interesting, a really interesting one to look at, and then all that stuff about burying people, putting the pins in the coffins, burying them outside of town uh, mm. boundaries. They said as well, it, you know, it was rabies, but they didn't understand rabies. Mm. So they were like, how, how, like, we need to get these people away and this silver will stop them coming back. But really, really interesting stuff. Hydrophobia, they call it, it back, back mm. in, the, uh, wow. in the 1800s, I think. Uh, th- I think somebody, I think it was on the Monster Fuzz Discord, somebody shared a video of somebody in the late stages of rabies. I couldn't even watch it. Yeah, um, no, I just yeah. like, I, I, I couldn't. It's too, it's just, 
brutal. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's, it's just a horrible way to go. So, folks, you know, watch out for the rabies. <laughs> yeah, <don't> get- <laughs> <laughs> if, there's, if there's one thing we could tell you, it's watch out for the rabies. Stay away from bats for sure. Um, I live with them. I think they're in my house. Like, Are they really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's that's my, my, yeah. my, you know, I don't really care that much. But if, if you wake up and there's one in the room with you, that's, you're, you got rabies shots. Because like you said, you don't know if they bit you or not. Yeah, that's uh, there's a, a very funny Irish video that I'll have to send you of um, a bat that flies into an Irish kitchen. And like they're trying to chase it out. It's pretty funny. But. I think as well, because that's the thing. So when bats act out of the ordinary, i.e. they end up in a house and they're acting funny or they, they, you know, they're, they land on you or something, chances are then there's something wrong with them. So definitely be diligent about it and um, get that rabies shot for the for the crack. You know, We have the, <laughs> the large brown bat here, which is the kind that's in our house. They have a 14-inch wingspan, which is okay, just, wow. that's a quite impressive. Yeah, quite that's impressive a big bat. When, when that's flying at your head. Wow. That is yeah, spooky. I can imagine. That yeah. is spooky. So, have we got anything to add, Tim, for this Halloween seance, this Halloween session that we're having here? Is there anything you want to? Happy Halloween to uh, to everybody listening everywhere. Yeah, I think this is mm. this was good. I think we might have to make this an annual thing, like a Halloween yeah, roundtable. Yeah. Happy to do it. Happy to yeah, do it. I think this would be cool. I think, Eamon, have you got anything you would like that? No, just a uh, big thanks to you, Tim. First of all, for for doing the old collab, man. I I always appreciate it when you're on here. When we're on there, it's so much fun. So it's been great to talk to you again. And uh, a big thanks to everybody who's listening and who continues to listen. We we really appreciate you so much. Mm-hmm. You guys are at monsterfuzzpodcast.com. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. and anywhere you want to find us is just monster fuzz podcast or monster fuzz on most of the stream and stuff is just uh on on the website it's podcast after it but yeah instagram i think is monster fuzz podcast all those places yeah um on the on the most recent strange familiars patron episode we we uh told all of our patrons to basically go become your patrons just to mess with Eamon, so you'd have to record a, a hundred songs <laughs> oh man <laughs> i'm gonna be i'm gonna I have no time. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> sweat, maybe sweating under all the songs. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 cool doing this. This this little Halloween thing is cool. Like, I hope it gets people in the mood. Um, obviously, for yourself as well as us, it's probably our busiest time as podcasters because we kind of have to step it up. Um, oh, yeah. It would be rude of us not to because <laughs> it's literally what we spend all year talking about so when it does come around i mean what are we going to do fade off no we have to do we, we've done a lot now this month for halloween like we, we've put out i think four or five episodes this week so it's a it's an intense haul mm-hmm. like um but it's always fun to talk about and, and those stories were great yeah really enjoyed them all right so it's a date one year from- <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's hard. oh and also before we duck before we duck you have to come on for the Alba Twitch episode soon, actually. So your listeners have that to look forward to too, because we, we need to get into the Alba Twitch and you know yeah. all about it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll, I will hit you with a an outline for that. So. Sounds good. Mm, yeah, sounds awesome, good. Awesome. Right. See you guys. Mm. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah, that was good. There we go. Let's go yeah. back. Enjoy that. So good. Like, we could yeah. chat forever, man. I, can I think so. Yeah. I was like, whoa, it's like two hours. Wow. This is- yeah. yeah, it'll be a good Halloween special, though. I think for so. Sure. For I sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure.